Hello, what's up, everybody? This is the Coaches Don't Play Sports podcast. I'm your host, Blake Zettler, joined by my co-host, David Cherub. How are you doing today, David? Uh, we're, we're, we're going. How are you? <laughs> You're just going? Yeah, it's been a pretty... It's been a pretty turbulent week for uh, for you the last the last about week. We had a lot of sports, a lot of things happened in sports, cancellations, you know, games being postponed. Uh, a couple of your teams had some cancellations, some bye weeks. But uh, a big story from this week is in college football is Notre Dame continues to roll against Boston College, and a couple of cancellations and a couple of of players moving on to the NFL from their programs, like Tamori Terry from Florida State. Uh, what are your comments about basically Tamori Terry giving up on the program at Florida State after seeing pretty much no direction with the program so far? Um. Well, think about you saying that you know. South Carolina just, you know, parted ways with their head coach, and I don't know if you've seen it, but a lot of their star players has also opted out after that happened. Um, I don't think you should necessarily give up on your program. I mean, Tamori Ontario's a great player. Um, I think he should have continued playing as, you know, you can't really hurt your draft stock. You could probably only better your draft stock. I mean, he's a great player. Um, he's been making great plays all year. I think he should have stayed and played. Um, you know, it's always going to be rough the first year for a new head coach. You know, he's got to come in there, implement his system, do his thing. So, you know, you just got to stick it out and, you know, ride all the way. And, you know, you're one of the leaders and, you know, you just can't quit on the team like that. So, but again, at the end of the day, it's his decision. If that's what he want to do, then, you know, all you got to do is respect his decision. Yeah. And the interesting thing about tomorrow, Terry, is that, um, Norvell, the offense really hasn't been the problem for Florida State uh, these past these past couple of games and throughout the season. It's really been the defense that's been letting them down. Against North Carolina, they scored a pretty decent amount of points. They uh, got on the board a decent bit against a pretty pretty good Notre Dame team. And, uh, and you know, this last game against NC State was really the only game so far that they've had trouble moving the ball consistently. But to be fair, Jordan Travis is out. Purdy's in there. Tamori on Terry. They they uh they they don't have him obviously as we just as we just talked about. But yeah, uh, South Carolina. I actually did not know that. Uh, I was kind of expecting that after they moved on from from their head coach. But you know this, I didn't expect it to be so soon and so many players. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, what are your thoughts? You know, you're you grew up, you know, right next to USC. You know the area. You know what the culture is about how do you think the people uh at usc are taking all these changes um well from from hearing it from fans you know i guess they're really happy to see um will Muschamp go um i mean i i don't agree with firing a coach in the middle of the season you know south carolina had steve spurrier leave them in the middle of the season and you know we we all know how that year went they only had three wins um so, I mean, I could see why the players decided that they were going to forego their, you know, final season and decide to go ahead and opt out. You know, you get recruited by one coach, and so you want to play for that one coach. And, you know, then your school turns around and they fire him. And, you know, why would I want to play for y'all anymore when, you know, the guy that I was recruited by, you know, y'all let go. And he's the whole reason why I'm here. He gave me the shot and everything. And then, you know, you just let him go. 
But uh, back to, you know, think about, you know, Tamori Ontario saying, you know, I still think you should stick with the team, you know, ride it out. You know, J.C. Horn, the cornerback from uh, South Carolina, he's a great player. I think he should have stuck in there. He probably could have drew uh, improved his draft value. Um, but, I mean, I still understand it. You know, they, they, you know, let the coach go. You were recruited by him. You came there to play for him, and now, now he's no longer there. So, you know, I don't want to – maybe it's just that I don't want to play for anyone else. Yeah, this does seem to happen to a lot of players. And uh, it's interesting because of COVID, because of the eligibility and this year not counting towards eligibility. I think a lot more players are uh, more inclined to make this move because even if their their draft stock would go down, they can just transfer to another school, play another year, and then their draft stock would go back up. So I think that COVID definitely has some sort of influence on on some of these players' decisions. Um not wanting to stick around with these coaches that they don't really feel like have their best interest interest in mind or that they can or they're compatible with uh and x's and o's wise but uh enough about uh you know coaching regime changes and cancellation stuff like that uh there was football played this saturday uh, a lot of people would say not very interesting football but <laughs> we touched on last week uh Two team or the week before last, excuse me. We touched on two teams that we thought were pretty interesting. Cincinnati and BYU both captured victories this Saturday. And did the performance from Cincinnati and or BYU change your opinion on whether or not they were playoff they were playoff pretenders or contenders or not? Or pretty much do you have the same ta- ta- uh, take from last time that Cincinnati is for real? And BYU is basically just a blimp on the radar. Um, well, I, I, I was following that BYU game a little bit. You know, they're finally getting their first test, uh, you know, against Boise State. Boise State's, you know, typically a good group of five team. Uh, they were struggling a little bit at first, I saw. But, you know, they ended up winning the game, you know, 51-17. Um, I think they could be for real. You know, it was a very surprising outcome of that game. They, uh, you know, ended up, you know, blowing out Boise State, uh, BYU, and I don't think they're really pretenders um, anymore. But, you know, you never know with, you know, Power 5 teams and everything. Uh, as for Cincinnati, you know, I still think Cincinnati's the better group of five team. Uh, they play the better defense. Uh, their offense is, you know, kicking on all cylinders. I do think BYU does edge them on offense. Um, it'll be interesting to see Cincinnati play uh, Central Florida, you know, yeah, Central Florida is not ranked anymore, but they're still, you know, a really good group of five team. Um, you know, if Cincinnati comes out and, you know, blows out Central Florida this weekend, um, I think Cincinnati, you know, is the better team. Uh, but, you know, they're still going to need help from up top to make it into the playoffs. As you know, a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. You know, Notre Dame knocked off Clemson. So, you know, you you know you got Texas A&M hanging up there and Florida hanging up there. But, you know, Florida's probably going to have to play Alabama in the SEC championship, so Florida's probably going to get knocked out of number six. But who knows how the, you know, committee will weigh up, you know, an undefeated group of five versus a one-loss power five team, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, we, we touched on this uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati, it's just really interesting. The reason why I brought it up again this week was that they just keep they just keep rolling. They're, they've looked impressive every team they've played. Uh, it hasn't really been 
it's been consistent. If the committee is looking for consistency, Cincinnati really hasn't there hasn't hasn't really been any any valleys or uh, or dips in performance. They've basically just been the same team all year. And uh, so basically what you're saying is that your take is the same, that if you were going to put one of these two teams in the playoffs, that it would be Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it would be Cincinnati. Um, I think Cincinnati is the more more consistent team. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from BYU, but uh, you know, Cincinnati's quarterback uh, has really impressed me. I mean, same thing for you know BYU's quarterback. You know, he's been really impressive this year. But you know, Desmond Ritter has been really impressive. Uh, their most impressive thing about Cincinnati is for sure their defense. I think their defense is up there with some of the Power Five teams. I mean, of course, they don't play like anyone spectacular. Um, but, you know, they're still playing great defense and they're being very consistent on both sides of the ball. And, you know, as you say, consistency. So I think the the committee might favor them more because they're a more consistent team. But, you know, it'll be really interesting to see as, you know, the rankings do. It's, it will be the first week next week for, you know, college football playoff rankings. So it'll be interesting to see how they place both teams. Yeah, one thing I've really observed about the committee is that you really don't know what's going to happen until they release the rankings. The AP poll has differed from the from the committee a decent bit over the past, uh, I believe it's six years now that the playoff has been a thing. So you never really know what's going to happen. But uh, moving on from the, you know, the conjecture, uh, some things that are definitely going to happen this upcoming week is Indiana is indeed going to play Ohio state and David known uh, Ohio state fan. How do you feel about uh, Indiana's chances against your Buckeyes? Or do you feel like you guys are just going to roll? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm probably be biased, but uh, I think Indiana is a great team. Uh, they've been playing really good. Uh, you know, beat a lot of teams that were very, they've been probably one of the most surprising teams. Uh, you know, came out one first game against you know Penn State. You know, beat Michigan. Um, Indiana's a great team. Uh, they got a great offense. Uh, I think you know, still it's you know, it's Ohio State. Um, it's Ryan Day, the offensive mastermind. You know, with Kevin Wilson as offensive coordinator. Uh, I think Indiana keeps it competitive for a little bit, but uh, Ohio State, you know that too much offensive power and you know justin fields you know playing at a very very high level that he is playing at i think it's just too much for indiana um and ohio state pulls away uh i'm gonna give it a a respectable i think ohio state will win by a respectable 21 points (laughs) that's that's respectable that's a respectable margin well 21 well, the thing is, you know, if you look at the past times that we've matched up against Indiana, and, you know, Indiana's been 4 0 when we've played them before. Uh, typically, Ohio State does smoke them. And I know Ohio State will be looking at to make that, you know, splash win. You know, this is a top 10 game. You know, Penn State, that game doesn't matter anymore for Ohio State because, you know, Penn State's 0 4. So they got to make that splash win for the committee. And I think this is the game that they'll do it. You know, they'll pull out, you know, all the, you know, stuff on offense, you know, they'll have Justin Fields slinging the ball. Uh, they'll try to get the run game started early. Um, I think defense plays a little better. Um, I like Indiana. It's, you know, it's always cool to see a team that's, you know, not really ever, you know, really been good all of a sudden become really good and then, you know, get really high ranked. Um, 
But, you know, I still think Ohio State's going to win. You know, Ohio State's offense is just – it's just crazy. You know, you could compare it to, like, Alabama's offense, uh, you know, Clemson's offense when they have Trevor Lawrence. You know, they're averaging 511 yards a game, which is, you know, wild to think about, you know. But, yeah, it's Ohio State. You know, they run the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten run, goes through Columbus. Um, I would be inclined to believe you that Ohio State is going to win this weekend. Now, do I think it's going to be a 21-point margin of victory? Probably not. I think this game gets a little sloppier than you think. Uh, I think um, Ohio State might, might you know, they might lull themselves into a bit of some confidence coming into this game because – uh, the 21 point, they probably think that they're going to win by 21 points as well going into this game. They're like, oh, it's just Indiana again. This happens every single year. Indiana thinks they're good. And we just go in there. We just, ro- they just come here. We go there and we just roll them. But the thing about this Indiana team is that there's just something different about it. I just don't know what it is. Uh, they passed the eye test for me that it's a football team that just wants to win games they just know how to win they're gritty they win by any means necessary they've won by almost every single game that they play they win in a different way uh the penn state game it was a shootout they scored a bunch of points uh last week they played michigan state they just absolutely rolled them didn't they pretty much just didn't give up anything on defense they were impeccable on special teams uh indiana is just a well-coached football team uh it reminds me of how minnesota has been in years past where PJ Fleck has just outcoached some of the oppo- the opposing coaches, and he just surprised a lot of teams. And I think that Indiana will probably surprise uh, people watching the game, thinking that Ohio State is going to roll them because I think they do make it closer than people think. Don't get me wrong; I think Ohio State probably wins by two scores, but I don't think they're going to pull away until the end. And I think that Indiana will be pretty will be surprisingly competent this weekend let me hit you with some stats indiana hasn't beaten ohio state since 1988 they haven't the thing, beaten, they haven't beaten ohio state in columbus since 87 the last time they matched up last year ohio state beat them 51 to 10 yeah but what was indiana's record going into the game last year let's check it uh not entirely. I think they are actually undefeated going into that game. I'd have to look. Yeah, but it's also this Indiana team. It doesn't. I've watched Indiana in years past. I've been one of those people that uh, I personally, and this might be a hot take. I think the Big Ten is the most overrated conference. I think when you go out of the Ohio State, uh, some of these teams, some of these quote unquote, you know, titans of you know college football like michigan wisconsin penn state they've really been lackluster these past couple of years uh michigan the jim harbaugh experiment just hasn't worked out uh i was pretty much one of jim harbaugh's biggest critics i will uh put on the record that i never liked khaki pants uh, the entire time he was there i didn't like him when he was the niners coach i thought he was a crybaby i thought when calls didn't go his way he would just blame that he would make a lot of excuses and i think he is uh, he's already starting to make excuses now at michigan for why he's not successful and i think that he i think people the people of michigan and people in ann arbor just need to get him up out of there before he does some permanent damage to the program because it just he just hasn't it just hasn't worked out and i don't think that his style of coaching and his style of defense works 
in college football, I think they figured them out. And I don't think that there's anything that could change my mind about that going forward. Now, as you said about Indiana, um, Indiana, yeah, uh, they haven't beat Ohio State in a while, and I'm not saying I'm not saying they're going to beat them. Don't get me wrong; I don't, I'm not saying Indiana's going to win, but I'm just saying that Indiana will be surprisingly competent in this matchup. Like Indiana is probably going to be the biggest the biggest test for the Buckeyes the entire year. I think Indiana is probably the best team they'll play. Uh, you could probably say Wisconsin. Is the other, do, do y'all play Wisconsin this year? Uh, the only chance we'd get to play them is in the Big Ten Championship. Most likely, you will, and you will most likely play Wisconsin in that game. Unless uh, they have to cancel another game. Yeah, unless they have to cancel another game, which may happen because of their quarterback situation. But, um, yeah, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. You know, what everybody knows Wisconsin. They're going to come up, come in there, play defense, run the ball. You know classic Wisconsin football. Uh, that would be an interesting test for Ohio State, you know, give them, give, them, give them maybe a different look, some different schemes, some schemes you're not used to. You know, you play all these teams, you're Ohio State, you play all these teams that come out in these big spread formations. They pass the ball around, play backyard football. You go to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin lines up in the, in the eye, the wishbone, you know, all the Wisconsin shenanigans they love to do. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, if – you're an Ohio State hater. Uh, Indiana is basically your only hope this year. Uh, I don't see any other team on the schedule now that I'm looking at it that even can hold Ohio State's jock strap at this point. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna be any challenge for them the rest of the year if Indiana can at least push them to the fourth quarter. Uh, basically, you might as well punch their ticket to the playoff if they beat Indiana this weekend. So uh, that should be a good one. Do you have any? closing statement about that game before we move on to the next one um not really uh i just think it's gonna be a really interesting game um you know both teams are gonna have to start out fast i uh, will say if indiana's gonna win this game they're gonna have to play perfect defense the whole game all four quarters all right yeah so the next game I wanted to talk about, the next probably big game, if it's not canceled, I will go ahead and just preface that. Um, Wisconsin indeed does play Northwestern this weekend. Um, that's a bit other big, huge Big Ten matchup if it's not canceled. Uh, Wisconsin, haven't seen a lot of them this year. You know, the games have been canceled. Northwestern, been surprisingly good. Uh, throughout the start of this season. Uh, how do you see this game uh, cracking out? Do you think if Wisconsin can play and they're healthy and all their players are clear- cleared from COVID, they're the obvious winner of this game? Or do you think Northwestern can surprise some people and maybe pitch pitch a, pitch a uh, upset here? Um, I'm going to start this off by saying oh, probably a lot of y'all forget, uh, I think it was two years ago, who played in the Big Ten Championship from the, from the other side? Of course, Ohio State made it. Uh, but people do forget that Northwestern was in the Big Ten Championship. They, they were a very good team. You know, of course, you know, they didn't really match up against, you know, Ohio State and everything. But this Northwestern team has been very surprising, like you've said. Um, I think it could be interesting. Um, I'm not sure who's uh, who's who's Wisconsin got playing quarterback right now. Who who played against Michigan? 
Mertz. Okay, well, you know, since Mertz is back for Wisconsin, uh, it's not looking too good, in my opinion, for Northwestern. Uh, I still think Northwestern's a great team. Um, they do play great defense, you know, only allowing 90 yards on the on the ground. Uh, it could be interesting. Um, Wisconsin does have to travel to Northwestern. I know there's no crowd factor with the Big Ten and everything. Wisconsin is only favored by seven. Uh, I still see Wisconsin winning this game, uh, but I think I think this will be the most interesting Big Ten game uh, of the weekend. As you know, this will probably this game probably will decide who goes to the Big Ten championship from the other side. Uh, but you know, I would don't don't be surprised if Northwestern if Northwestern pulls it out. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they played four games. You know, they got the consistency going. The, the offense is rolling. The defense is playing good. Um, I know they came off a close one against Purdue, but uh, I'd, keep, I'd keep an eye on this game. Uh, if they keep it close, they might be able to pull out. But uh, if, if Wisconsin gets their way, then it, it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah, um, as you said, you know, Northwestern, they were good a couple of years ago. They've uh, They're not really a school when you think about, you know, Big Ten, you know, uh, big boy football. What do you think about? You don't really think about Northwestern in that way, really. No. But uh, as you, as as we've stated multiple times, Wisconsin hasn't played a lot recently. They're coming off of a lot of COVID cancellation postponing, and that uh, you can't really ignore that. That might play a factor in this game. Uh, I'd argue that it play a huge factor in this game. Northwestern has played double. Yeah, I mean, they've played two more games, and Wisconsin's <laughs> only played two, and they literally have played uh, three weeks more recently than Wisconsin has. They're going to be more prepared. They're going to be more conditioned. They're going to be more used to tackling. Uh, a lot of people forget that football shape and being in shape are a lot different. Uh, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin has been practicing, of course, but some of the, those virtual practices and stuff like that just don't get you ready. Uh, for these type of games this is a huge game for both these teams and the nerves even though there isn't the crowd don't get me wrong if there was if there was a crowd i would outright probably most likely pick northwestern in this game if there was a crowd uh if the same thing was occurring but since there's not a crowd it doesn't the nerves probably won't pay play as big of a part in the game it's a trap Uh, (laughs) <laughs> it is a trap game for Wisconsin, though. I will say, I, it is a, it's a big trap game for Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin fan and you have higher aspirations than just the Big Ten championship, this is a game that you absolutely have to win. If you're if you're Wisconsin, and if they don't, then uh, pretty much they might as well pack the bags up. They might basically all the rest of their games might as well get canceled because of COVID because their season is effectively over if they can't beat Northwestern. Uh, this this week, this week for the Big Ten, the two biggest teams, they're both playing trap games. I'm going to put it to you that way. Northwestern, I think, is the bigger trap game for Wisconsin because, uh, you know, like you said, Northwestern's not a, you know, a historically great football team, but, you know, they might surprise you. Same thing with Indiana. So uh, Big Ten might be a – this might be a week that I'd watch them. Uh, two big trap games, 12 and, you know, 330. They're both run back-to-back. Yeah, the really the Big Ten is where you're gonna find most of your interesting matchups this weekend. 
Uh, yeah, there's there's not really the SEC basically across the board. Just gonna be a bunch of games where you're probably just gonna see the other team roll. Oh no, Kentucky uh, could surprise. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's one of the games. Uh, Florida plays Vanderbilt. You know, I'm sure oh, that'll boy. be interesting for Kyle Trask. Uh, basically, it'll be like shooting fish in a barrel uh, for Kyle Trask. Basically, uh, he'll probably inflate some of his Heisman stats in that game. Uh, Is Kyle next, Pitts okay? Um, I have play? no idea. I know he took the big shot in the last game. Uh, I believe he did. He did they say he had a concussion, or is he or is he cleared to play? I th- I know he had. I think he. They said he had a concussion against Georgia after he took that hit. Um, I don't know if they. I don't know if he still has his concussion or anything like that. Um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be something to watch for Florida. Not for this upcoming game. Don't get me wrong. They're going to absolutely annihilate Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Mm. I really wouldn't be worried. Kyle but. Pitts had surgery. Oh, did he really? All right. Yes, he had surgery. Uh, what do you have surgery on? Kyle Pitts has surgery. Uh, what do you have surgery on? I don't know what he has surgery on. I have no clue. Oh, if he's not going to play the if he's not going to play the rest of the year or for the foreseeable future, that will be a problem uh, moving forward for Florida as they are pretty much the favorite to come out of the East. They're almost a shoo-in to come out of the East, barring an absolute disaster uh, <laughs> some, some <laughs> of these upcoming weeks. But, uh, yeah, uh, the more interesting game I wanted to move on to, you know, pretty much just brushed over the SEC. Uh, not really any interesting matchups there. Uh, in the Big 12, an absolutely massive matchup this weekend. Oklahoma State plays Oklahoma uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, at Oklahoma, uh, Spencer Rattler and uh, Spencer Sanders, both coming off of absolutely great games for both those teams. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of points scored in this game, as uh, Shannon Sharp likes to say, they don't play defense in the Big 12. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, do you <laughs> – I, I honestly don't even want to give my give a pick on this game because the Big 12, you, the Big 12 this year, it's just been – Excuse my French. It's just been a clusterfuck. Uh, I have no idea. You want idea. me to give a pick? Uh, who, I honestly knock yourself out. I have no idea who I think. All right, looking at this game, uh, this is a very big game, especially for the Big Twelve. You know, you like the Big Twelve. You want Oklahoma State to win. That keeps their hopes alive of making the playoff. If you hate the Big Twelve, you want Oklahoma to win because that just kills every bit of hope for the Big Twelve. Looking at their past games, of course, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they did play Kansas, so of course they were going to smoke them. I mean, Oklahoma State did play a better team in Kansas State and only won by two. Um, I think for this game, you know, thinking back to that Texas-Oklahoma State game, uh, if, Oklahoma's gonna, if Oklahoma wants to win, they're going to have to uh, force turnovers. Uh, but I got – I think I'm going to have to pick Oklahoma State in this game. They got the more seasoned quarterback. Uh, I do like Spencer Randler. He has been playing pretty good. But, you know, he is a true freshman. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma State this game. But I think it could be interesting. I still think Oklahoma can win. That is so funny that you say that because I actually have the opposite take of the game. I think that uh, Oklahoma State is not going to be ready for Oklahoma. I think that Oklahoma, uh, 
this might be might be an interesting thing to say, but I think Oklahoma rolls Oklahoma State in this game. I think Oklahoma may win. The line right now is uh, Oklahoma, believe it or not, minus seven. So Vegas also likes what I'm what I'm saying. Uh, I haven't seen anything for Oklahoma State. Don't get me wrong, Chuba Hubbard, he's a star. He's going to go to the NFL. Oklahoma uh, State so, plays the best defense in the Big Twelve. But it's but it's okay, David. That's basically that's basically like saying you're the principal of a home school, David. Like there's nothing. It doesn't matter. You play. You can't. If you slap lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, David. Like it, it, they're playing defense in the Big Twelve. They don't play defense. If you play any modicum of defense in the Big Twelve, then you're the best defense in the Big Twelve. Like it doesn't. Like what I'm saying is that offense is what matters in the Big Twelve. In Oklahoma knows offense lincoln riley knows offense that's basically that that's been his brand that's oh what well, yeah do. this this game's going to be a shootout it's always been a shootout you know no my oklahoma edges them because you know they know how to score more points but uh i still think yeah i still think there's a chance for oklahoma state um no offense to our big 12 fans or oklahoma state fans uh, i want oklahoma to win I I really don't have a horse in the race, but I'm just saying uh, what I think my what my eyes tell me. I think Oklahoma they've been there before. They know how it is. They're gonna be more prepared for this game. Oklahoma State really. This has probably been the first time Oklahoma State has really been. You know, the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve usually the root for Oklahoma. If you're a Big Twelve fan, you're like, oh, I want Oklahoma to make the playoff, get some representation in there. But now people are looking to Oklahoma State to make the playoff, and Oklahoma State. I don't know how much this ain't 2011. Yeah, I, I don't know how much they're gonna give into the pressure on that. I don't know if if Oklahoma State can be a front runner like Oklahoma has been all these years. Uh, Lincoln Riley, as I said, he just does a great job with Oklahoma. Uh, don't get me wrong, their defense has been abysmal, but we all knew that. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that it's really controversial to say that Oklahoma is going to win. But the really the controversial take I'm going to have is I think Oklahoma, and you can quote me on this, wins by at least 17 points. Okay, 17 points. That's yeah. a very hot take. I'm giving Vegas 10 points right now, David, and I like, I like my chances. I I think it's going to be a little closer. I I think they're only going to be separated by maybe ten points. This is this is the type of take that if you put it on social media, you would get absolutely eviscerated. I mean the last the last the last good team Oklahoma played was uh, Texas. You know that one went into overtime. I think they won by six. I want to say six. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I don't. I'm not. I'm not sold. Like the Oklahoma State is better than is better than Texas. Like I think, I think Texas straight up is is just better. Like that, I might, I don't, I don't, like. Tell me if I'm crazy, but when I watch both those teams play, I just think Texas Texas is better. Oh uh, yeah, I believe that you know Texas is probably the best team currently. I know they lost to Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong. I know Texas and they lost to TCU, Oklahoma. but those I, are... I understand those. But you know Oklahoma, you know. Texas came out against, you know, Oklahoma State, and uh, they they dug down, you know, Sam Ellinger being the great leader that he is. He pulled the team through. They got the win. Um, I think, you know, I think you could, you know, look past the Oklahoma lost. And, you know, that one was in overtime. It was a little heartbreaking. But uh, I do think Texas is the best team in the Big 12, you know. But, 
you never know until you know the Big Twelve championship happens, and we'll see who the two teams make it. Yeah, basically, uh, we talked we talked about the Big Twelve uh, the week before last, and basically we were, we're basically just hitting on the same points. I just wanted to get you know my hot take about the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game out before, so just so I could you know be on the record when you know it does in fact come true because you know I'm an analytical genius as you already know, David. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's enough about college football. There's not that many interesting matchups uh, upcoming. Uh, I think it's time to move on to the NFL, where we had a lot of interesting games this past week. Uh, the one that I really wanted to talk about with David, as we established uh, the week before last, David is, in fact, a Patriots fan. The Patriots got a very interesting win against yes, Lamar Jackson and his Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Um, David, do you think that this bodes well for New England's chances to make the playoffs? Or do you think that this – basically what I'm asking you is, does this say more about the Patriots being better than people thought? Or does this say more about Lamar and the Ravens and how far their train has gone off the tracks? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think, you know, Baltimore has lost three straight games. Uh you know, I can understand, you know, their Pittsburgh lot and no, they haven't lost three straight games, excuse me. Um, I can understand their, you know, Pittsburgh loss and, you know, the Chiefs loss, you know, those are probably the two best teams in the uh, AFC. Uh, I was, uh, being a Patriots fan, I was surprised that we beat uh, Baltimore. But um, I think it goes back to being, you know, Bill Belichick being the coach that he is, probably being, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach to ever coach in the National Football League. You know, I know Cam Newton's been struggling and everything. Uh, this does, in my opinion, boost the Patriots uh, to make the playoffs. Um, of course, they're still going to have to beat Buffalo and the Dolphins when they play them. Um, I think it also had to do a factor with the weather. I don't know if you saw the weather for that game, but it was kind of crappy in Foxborough, so that might have not really helped uh, Baltimore and you know what they like to do. Um, but I think it came down to you know, Bill Belichick being, you know, Bill Belichick going back to, you know, scheming and, you know, the you know, his ability to take away certain things from teams. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say the offense necessarily played good. I think the defense played really well for the Patriots. You know, they do have a lot of, you know, key players that did opt out. Um, but I think the defense did play a little better, uh, forced turnovers, um, you know, it's it's kind of a hard one. You know, I love the Patriots, loved for a very long time. You know, obviously, I still think you know Baltimore is going to make it. Um, I don't know. It's it's too hard to say. You know, the Patriots this year, it's I, you know, it's of course going to be a down year. Um, I still don't see us making the playoffs. I'm just going to outright say that. Uh, I think it's going to be the first time since I think 2000 or 1990 since we've made the playoffs. Um. Um, you guys didn't make the playoffs in 2009 when you guys oh, had that. Oh, Castle that's right. That's and right. You guys went yeah. five and didn't make yeah. the playoffs, which uh, right. I find, which as a Patriots hater, uh, as a Falcons fan, yeah, haha, 28 to three. I absolutely love the <laughs> fact that in 2009, you guys went 11 and five and still didn't make the playoffs. I'd just like to add that. But, uh, that's right. Yeah. But my, uh, my take on the whole, you know, Lamar Raven situation. To take the words out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth, R-E-L-A-X is what Ravens fans need to do. Just relax. It's Lamar. Lamar will be Lamar. 
when yeah. come playoff time, they'll win games. It's going to happen. You know, players have bad weeks. They have bad stretches. It happens. It's not all. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. You're still six and three. Yeah. Like people. Like people just need to calm down. Like these people on Twitter and Instagram that are just absolutely eviscerating Lamar on social media that you forget Lamar was not supposed to be. Nobody even thought Lamar was going to be a competent quarterback in the NFL. Lamar has absolutely overperformed his draft stock. Like he, people for apparently people already have amnesia because you know, the whole COVID thing that Lamar was the MVP of the league last year. Yeah. Unanimous MVP. Lamar really is that good. And I think, uh, I'm probably here to defend Lamar. I always, I've always thought Lamar was good, and I still think that he's he's good now. Uh, seeing seeing him at Louisville, I always knew that he was going to be pretty good. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think he's got some accuracy issues. He needs to he needs to work on maybe this off season. Uh, I don't think that right now he's a competent enough passer for the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't believe it's ever been an I don't believe it's ever been an intelligence thing for Lamar. I believe Lamar understands the defense. I think he knows where he wants to attack the defense throwing throwing the football. I just don't think that he has the mechanics yet to do so. If you know what I mean. Yeah. He he needs to just Lamar just needs to do, you know, be Lamar. Yeah. You know, last year last year, you know, Baltimore really let Lamar be Lamar. You know, they were running the ball, running that triple option. Uh, letting him throw, you know, you know, they were running the triple option first, so it would open up the passing game. Um, I feel like this year, you know, teams teams know what they want to run, of course, and so they're going to defend well against it. Uh, but it's like what you think. I think Lamar just needs a few more years under his belt before you know the Baltimore can be a, a Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl champion. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. Baltimore fans do need to chill out. You are six and three. You probably will make the playoffs. I wouldn't see why you wouldn't make the playoffs unless you know. You let you let the Browns sneak up or something, but uh, yeah, I t- I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where I see all these people on social media and stuff like that, and I'm like, do you guys understand how spoiled you guys really are that you're complaining about about Lamar Jackson? Like, uh, I just I just want people to I just want people to realize what they're actually complaining about is they're complaining about a six and three season like like. I, I get it. The Ravens, all these people on these talk shows, all these all these people on on social media, the players, they're really confident coming into this year. A lot of people picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Uh, now they probably couldn't anticipate it how good the Steelers really were going to be. That probably put a wrench in a lot of people's you know plans, quote unquote, for how the season was going to lay out. Uh, I do think that basically right now it's a it's a two team race in the are, AFC. Are, now. are the Steelers really as good as they are though? Uh, they, you know, that's a that's a good question because the Steelers, they're they're they might be undefeated, but people need to people don't need to forget. Uh, people also need to relax about the Steelers. I've seen a lot of people say that the Steelers are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I'm just here to tell you right now that people, this is not the first time that this has happened. This is not the first time that the Steelers have absolutely made waves in the regular season they looked like they were world beaters they looked like they were unstoppable they only lost one or two games in the regular season and then once they get to the playoff and people have tape on them 
and the players, you know, maybe one disagrees with another one and it all comes falling off the rails. Uh, but one thing I will say about this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh team is that it feels, it feels different. Uh, they're more, well, don't get me wrong. They've always been defense oriented. They've always been defense oriented, but I feel like this defense matches up so well with all of these NFL type offenses. I don't think they've ever had a pass rusher as good as TJ Watt. Um, I think TJ Watt really gives, gives them a person that they can just go, you know, basically the difference between this Pittsburgh team and all the defense they have before is they have pass rushers that can get pressure rushing four. And that's really yeah. been something they haven't really been in. It hasn't been in their, hasn't been in their toolkit. Uh, it's like the seventies or eighties. Yeah, they, 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 there's a reason why they got you know the nickname Blitzberg. They did. They used to blitz a lot. Uh, Dick LeBeau, he absolutely loved to blitz quarterbacks, get him off balance. Troy Polamalu, famous for that strong safety blitz. All Kevin people, Green, yeah, Kevin Green, all those guys. Uh, he absolutely loved to do that. Uh, but now, but now Steelers fans sometimes they get pressure rushing three because T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward. And those guys are just so good that they don't even they they don't even need to rush backers or safeties, and they just get pressure on the quarterback. And that's really been the difference. Uh, a huge, as people know, a huge difference. Fantasy football owners have really know Chase Claypool. Uh, I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh. It might be the something about the water at the facility or something. Every single time a young receiver comes through Pittsburgh, they absolutely have a splash first couple seasons. Uh, it was a B. Uh, Martavis Bryant was really good when he Juju. first got there. Juju. Now it's Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod. All these guys like that, they're just uh, – they, don't get me wrong, the coaching. Uh, Mike Tomlin, he's always been good at coaching guys up. He's always been good at developing players. Don't get me wrong, Mike Tomlin is probably uh, one of the top – well, uh, not probably. He is one of the top head coaches in the NFL. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think Mike Never Tomlin – losing yeah, I don't think Mike Tomlin is has ever been the problem uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think he could have managed some of the Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell situations better. But overall, Mike Tomlin, of course, I don't think there's any arguing, has done a terrific job in Pittsburgh. There's a reason why he's been around so long. Uh, but yeah, the Steelers, as you were saying, I do think the Steelers are as good as advertised. But I just don't think that they're the greatest team ever, like some people are trying to advertise them as. But I do believe that they are – they're my pick to make the Super Bowl at this point. Um, don't get me wrong. The Chiefs, you love the – I mean, I love I, I love the Chiefs' chances, Patrick Mahomes. Whenever you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, uh, even Clyde Edwards-Alaire panned out of because, of because, of course, he did. Basically, you know, they're the Harlem Globetrotters of football. All they do is score points, you know, <laughs> big splash plays and stuff like that. They make it look cool. Everybody wants to – Every I feel like every kid nowadays wants to throw like Patrick Mahomes. They throw on sidearm passes and stuff like that. But no uh, yeah, no look passes, which will cost you points in fantasy. I'm looking at you, Patrick Mahomes. Had Travis Kelsey that one week last year where he tried to throw the no look and it went over his head. Haven't forgot about that. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, I want to. I now want to move on to another interesting game. Um, Miami. In uh, Los Angeles, as in the Chargers faced off this weekend, uh, Tua third straight win as a starter. Uh, did you think that Tua was going to be as poised and as good 
as he is already coming in? Or did you think that they weren't even going to start him because Fitzpatrick was doing so good? Or do you think that it's Flores' defense that is making the Dolphins' job so much easier? Or do you think Tua is playing a significant role in their success? Um, I was surprised to see that they, they ended up moving away from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he was playing well. You know, they did lose their first game of the season, but yeah, it happens to certain teams. You know, you need to get, you know, everything correct. Um, I think it has a little bit to do with the defense. Um, Flores is a great defensive coordinator. Obviously, he's their head coach. Uh, but Tua has been surprising. Um, he's uh, shown very great poise in the pocket. I mean, I know the Chargers have been struggling, you know, this year with defense and everything. Uh, but Tua has been very surprising. I think that was a very good pick for the Dolphins. Um, I was, but I was would say that I was very surprised that they started him so soon. But you know why not? Let's go ahead and get the rookie some experience, uh, so we don't have you know too bad of a year. And, you know he is three and zero as a starter, which is you know, which is very very surprising in my opinion. I was very surprised that they beat the Cardinals. Uh, but yeah, I think you know I think it has a little bit do do a little bit of both. You know Tua playing well. You know. Not looking like a you know for say like a freshman in the pocket or anything like that, you know showing great stature and everything. But I think it also has to do with you know Flores' defense you know being so good. Yeah, um, I, this might be a little bit of a biased take. If you if you know you guys knew me, two is my guy. I'm wearing a shirt with two on it right now. Full disclosure of uh, the Miami Tide Old Rose shirt. I'm currently wearing that right now. But uh, I've absolutely loved to see what two is doing. Uh, all the stuff that made him special at Alabama, he's showing off. Uh, something that I always knew was going to translate to the NFL was that accuracy. Tua, ha- Tua is the most accurate thrower of the football I've ever seen. If you need Justin someone... Fields. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I still don't forget Justin Fields last year lofting at 50 yards over receivers' heads in, in, in big games, David. Okay, let's oh, go I also don't forget uh, you know, Tua, you know, Throwing the ball right to the Clemson's corner. But anyways, let's move on. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Haven't seen Justin Fields in the league yet, so we're not going <laughs> to talk about him yet. Uh, we'll do, pre-draft, we can talk about how you think he's going to translate to the league, but he's still got a couple games here to play at Ohio State before we start talking about his league, how he's going to translate. But as I was saying to uh you know he's he's accurate showing off a little bit of the moves you know a lot of people were concerned uh about that leg of his uh made a huge play against the against the cardinals uh last weekend when he evaded he evaded pressure on a fourth down picked up a first down it was a huge play in that game uh made a couple plays with his leg and legs in this game too uh don't get me wrong uh brian flores he's honestly he's pretty much already established that he was the no-brainer uh, pick off of Belichick's staff. Uh, the Dolphins knew what they were getting with Brian Flores, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people liked Brian Flores as the pick, uh, opposed to Joe Judge, uh, that the Giants chose to be their head coach. Uh, a lot of people did not like the pick of Joe Judge because they thought he was inexperienced. But the adverse to that is Brian Flores who I believe is doing a terrific job. I think that the Dolphins will make the playoffs this year. Uh, now, do I think the Dolphins want to make the playoffs? Like, upper, high brass? I don't believe they do. I don't believe they do. I think 
part of starting Tua was they were like, oh, well, we'll start Tua. Uh, we don't want to win that many games. We'll just get him some experience. But they were like, oh, crap. Tua's really good. And we've won three straight. So might as well now start you know, committing to this whole playoff thing. We're not really used to it. You know, it's been a while. Hasn't been since Tannehill that we even made the playoffs. And I think people in my people in Miami, they gotta be excited uh about about Tua. They're getting they're getting, you know, their results so early with Tua. They're probably it's probably like Christmas morning in Miami, waking up after every single game. Uh they're probably they're probably like, oh man, we finally got a quarterback that can actually do what needs to be done. They basically, they probably basically think they got the new Dan Marino. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Tua is the new Dan Marino, but I feel like if you're a Miami fan, it feels like you got the new Dan Marino because of how well he's playing. And I think that uh, Miami fans are probably pretty excited, but a team you did touch on. uh, That's a great segue is the Arizona Cardinals who beat a very good bills team this weekend. Uh, So, a very, very good matchup. We'll just go ahead and start talking about the matchups ahead in the NFL. They play the Seahawks tomorrow night. Uh, a huge matchup for the NFC West. Probably the biggest game uh, that we've seen so far between two opponents in the NFL, uh, playoff picture-wise. Um, do you like the Cardinals' chances? Because the Seahawks have been really – they've basically been slipping these past couple of games. Um, the Seahawks, they've got some problems uh, that have really been exposed these past couple games. Uh, or do you think that the Seahawks are still basically the big brother of the NFC West and that they'll take care of business again and beat the Cardinals? Um, well, as you know, the Cardinals won the first matchup. It was a thriller. Uh, I think I, I like the Cardinals' chances. I, I do. I really do. You know, came off a great win against Buffalo. Kyler Murray is playing great, you know. They have, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. That defense is playing good. Uh, I think the biggest thing in this game, though, is if the Seahawks want to win, Russell Wilson cannot turn the ball over. He cannot fumble it. He does not need to throw interceptions either. I also think if they want to do well, they are going to have to find a way to get DK Metcalf more involved than they did the first time around against the Cardinals. I know he's going up against Patrick Peterson, you know, pro bowl, all pro corner but they're just going to have to find a way to get him involved if they want to win this game. I still think the Cardinals are going to win this game. Um, yeah, the interesting the, – uh, oh, excuse me. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I forgot about this. You, you do know that the, you know, the Seahawks do have the worst pass defense. It's the worst, and you're about to go up against DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, um, oh, trust me, I do know they have the worst pass defense because uh, I look up the Falcons' statistics a lot, and – I was like, oh man, we're we're not last. We're thirty first <laughs> because oh the Seahawks boy. the Seahawks are last. I was like, let's get it. Uh but yeah, this game is gonna be a shootout. It all it basically uh now we've seen that the Seahawks, if they win games, they're shootouts basically almost all the time. Um but the big thing about this game is going to be can the Seahawks put pressure on Kyler Murray? and force him into things that he doesn't want to do. Kyler Murray has shown that if you can get him off his spot, he can be influenced into making decisions and throws that he doesn't want to make. But if you give Kyler Murray the time and you let him get his tempo going, Kyler Murray has shown that when he gets a rhythm, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 
uh, if he can really get in sync and just sit back and just toss toss the football. Um, as you said, the big key to the game for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is don't turn the ball over. They've done a terrible job with that. Uh, their turnover differential in the past couple games has been abysmal. Uh, they can't force turnovers. They turn the ball over. That's just not a recipe for winning games in the NFL. It's probably they can't not. force turnovers when you're getting dotted up in the secondary. Yeah, you I know mean, you got Jamal Adams. What's up? Yeah, but the the there's no secret. The big problem for the Seahawks this year has been pass rush. They're dead last in quarterback pressures, quarterback hurries, sacks. They just they just can't. They just flat out can't get pressure on the quarterback. Um, now something that will be interesting to look at in this division is how the Rams have made a late season push to cement their position in the division. Uh, as the Rams, uh, just we we talked we just talked about the Dolphins is the Dolphins believe it or not. Uh, it just goes to show you how 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 legitimate the Dolphins actually are. As the Dolphins beat the Rams and the Cardinals, who have both beat the Seahawks, and a lot of people in the beginning of the year thought the Seahawks were the best team in the NFC. So that just goes to show you if you're still skeptical about the Dolphins, that's just another aspect of how decent the Dolphins actually are this year. But I want to talk about the Rams because a lot of people forgot, honestly, a lot of people forgot the Rams were really even a thing until they started winning again this year. Uh, they were basically irrelevant last year. Um, they had a lot of injuries. You know, uh, People basically figured them out on offense, as uh, a lot of people talked about after the Super Bowl. Uh, Belichick basically dismantled them. And they had to. They pretty much had to rebuild their whole offensive scheme from the ground up. Uh, Sean McVay has done a great job this year. Uh, you know, mixing up the looks, getting wins when he needs to. The Rams, uh, once again, they're 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 a good football team again. Basically, is the point of what I'm saying. Uh, they're first in the NFC West. It's a three way tie. It's a deadlock. Uh, that's going to change after Thursday night. The winner will become the new king of the NFC West. But what I'm saying is, is that this game. For the Seahawks is a must win. The Seahawks yes. have to win it. If they have any plans of winning this division, they have to win it. Uh, if you're the Cardinals, you can afford to lose it. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not it's not a good idea to lose it. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> they can't afford to as they, they still can look forward to two matchups against the Rams – uh, the last one coming in week week seventeen. If the season is extended, that is because they have, they have talked about changing to an eighteen week season and expanded playoff format. But um, yeah, I just wanted to you know touch on that big game. That's a huge game this weekend. Probably the biggest one. Probably the biggest the biggest game we've seen so far this year. Either that or the Ravens Steelers game was the biggest that we've seen this year. Uh, another interesting game to talk about. Uh, it's always interesting. The game, it's all, it always caused a lot of fuss, a lot of flair. Uh, the Falcons are playing the Saints this weekend. Uh, one of the much interesting rivalries in the NFL. Uh, usually there's a lot, of, a lot of points scored in this game. But this time around, no Drew Brees for the Saints. Uh, Jameis Winston will be the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints if everything that has been indicated is true. Uh so, David, what do you think about Crab Legs getting the start? Do you think that he'll do a good job, or do you think that this could be a disaster for New Orleans this Sunday? 
if he's going to do a good job, he needs to do two things. Actually, three things. Not turn the ball over. Mister. We know him as Mr. Interceptions. They're going to have to feed Captain of the Slants. They need to feed the man, Michael Thomas. And they are going to definitely have to feed Alvin Kamara as well. They're going to need to get their two superstars on offense the ball. And, you know, I kind of like their matchup, you know, against the Falcons. You know, y'all's pass defense is a kind of doo-doo. Uh, AJ Terrell, no good. Kendall Sheffield, no good. Um, so they're going to definitely have to feed you know, Alvin Kamara and uh, Michael Thomas. As far as their defense goes, I know a lot of people have been, you know, hating on Marshawn Lattimore and everything. Uh, but if he can, you know, find his form again from his rookie season and, you know, do a good job at, you know, holding uh julio jones at bay uh, i do i do think that see uh the saints have a very good chance to win um but i still think that drew Brees' injury hurts them and i have a feeling that uh that your good old falcons are gonna win this game just because you know julio's julio and you know as long as matt ryan doesn't do nothing stupid and as long as y'all's defense i know this is asking a lot y'all's defense you know doesn't you know do anything dumb or blow it for y'all. I still, I, I think y'all have a very good chance to win this game just because Jameis Winston is a starting quarterback more than likely for the Saints. You know, uh, an interesting thing I always like to say is the odd mate the odds makers. They never learn their lesson, do they? Because every single time I look at one of these games and if you're, if you've been following the NFC South, if you've been following this rivalry for a long time, they almost always split it. Uh, there's been a there's been there was a span where the Saints basically dominated the Falcons uh, earlier in the decade, uh, but here recently, even when the Falcons were not good uh, last year, they split the series. They absolutely embarrassed the Saints on their home field last year. Uh, something I think it was I think it might have been like twenty three to six or something. The Saints just couldn't get anything going. The Falcons almost played a perfect game on defense. Uh, once again, uh, ESPN thinks the Saints are going to win. They're gonna, probably going to win big is what they're saying. But uh, like you, I don't see it that way. Uh, I think if the Saints win the game, they're going to have to come back, uh, which is very likely. If the Falcons have a lead, there's about a 50-50 shot. They're going to blow it, as everybody knows. <laughs> uh, and I see this game is that an interesting thing about Jameis Winston is everybody's like, oh, Jameis Winston, this is going to be a test for him and everything. Really, it isn't. Because Jameis Winston could not have picked a better opponent to make his first start in that black and gold against. Jameis Winston historically has been a nightmare for the Falcons' defense. He has dominated the Falcons. In in his time in Tampa Bay, he just shredded them. I, I, I don't know what the average is, but... I, if I was a betting man and I didn't even have the statistics in front of me, he probably averaged over 300 yards a game. Uh, I know last year the Bucks, he he was not even uh, – don't get me wrong, he threw for a lot of yards and touchdowns, but he didn't even turn the ball over very much against the Falcons, and all he did last year was turn the ball over. That's just how well he did play against the Falcons last year. Uh, the Falcons ended up stealing a win from the Bucks. Uh, at the end of last year, which which stopped them from getting to the playoffs. Uh, Deion Jones had a costly pick six at the end, but I believe that was the only turnover he had in the two matchups. Um, but as you said, you you have a feeling the Falcons are going to win this game. I have a feeling that they are going to lose this game by a pretty, cons- by a pretty considerable margin. Uh, I don't think they have a 
a snowball's chance in hell of winning this game. Uh, if I was a if I was a betting odd, I if I was a betting man, you just want to lose. I would. Uh, okay, don't get me wrong. Yes, I do want the better pick. I've basically given up on this season. Uh, if you know me, uh, I want to. Uh, I thought the Falcons should have blew it up a long time ago. Uh, after last year, I was a fan of blowing it up, uh, getting rid of some of these players for picks. But uh, I understand, you know, I understand that, you know, the new the new head coach, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, make a good impression. He's trying to get some wins, so he'll keep him. But I, I don't think the Falcons are going to keep him. I think they're going to move on with the head coaching job. Uh, but the thing about this game is, is that if I was a betting man, I'm taking the Saints just straight up. Honestly, if I could put my life savings on it, I would. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think the Saints, it's just an obvious an obvious win for the Saints. But if you're an odds maker, you're probably very nervous about this game because in previous matchups when the Saints were favored very heavily, the Falcons came out and just absolutely bushwhacked them for no uh, discernible reason. Um, So that, I just wanted to talk about that because I thought that was very interesting as Drew Brees not being healthy uh as another little aspect to that game and falcon saints games are all, all are always interesting if you watch them uh another matchup that is going to be very interesting is tampa bay plays the rams this weekend we talked about the rams a little bit uh, they actually don't play them on the weekend they play them on monday night um tom brady pretty you know conservative pretty good on monday nights wasn't great on monday don't get me wrong the last monday night game he played wasn't great don't get me wrong but, but, uh, but pretty good on Monday night. Uh, he's going to play the Rams, similar, a uh, familiar opponent for Tom Brady, the Rams, you know, saw him in the Super Bowl, uh, did a pretty good job there getting, getting himself another ring. But, uh, if you had to, if you had to, you know, pick a winner of this game, who would it be? Um, I like, I like the Buccaneers chances. I really do. I, uh. I know they had a little, 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 uh, little issue with the Saints, um, but you know it's Tom Brady, you know six rings, the goat. Um, yeah, they got they got their two two star receivers back, and they got Mike Evans, and you know Chris Godwin, uh, Ronald Jones played really good last week against the Panthers. So I, I really do like, um, I really do like. Buccaneers chances against the Rams. Not saying the Rams are bad or anything. I still, you know, this game's kind of up in the air, but I do like the Buccaneers chances to win this game. Uh, you pretty much just took the words right out of my mouth. I actually also like the Buccaneers chances to win this game. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, not a guy to usually take uh, losses sitting down. Uh, he has been famously uh, very good. Uh, coming off of losses. Don't get me wrong, they beat the Panthers last week. But the Panthers, it was a game that they just knew that they were going to win. I don't think anybody was nervous when they were playing the Panthers. The Panthers, are beat, they're beat up. They got a couple people out. Don't get me wrong. Uh, CMC uh, played really well against the Bucks, but it didn't matter. They were just, the, the Bucks. they just outmatched the Panthers. But this is the real big test coming off of that game against the Saints. Uh... What Tom? This is really going to show if you had any reservations about Tom Brady being in that Bucks uniform. This is really the game that he's going to have to make a statement because this Rams defense is the real deal. Uh, they're one of the best in the league. 
Uh, they've shown it all all year round. They're basically the old Rams defense, you know, the one that pretty much brought them to the Super Bowl with a little bit of help from Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. Uh, Vegas does, in fact, like the Bucks in this game, uh, minus four for the Bucks. Uh, one thing I would watch is that Tom Brady historically has not been great against teams that can rush for and get pressure naturally. Uh, that's been something that has bothered Brady. That's uh, a lot of people say that's the only way that you can really beat Brady in a one-on-one game. And that's something that the Saints do well, which I'm not going to sit here and act like that's, that's the only reason why the Saints, why the Saints have beat have beaten the, the Bucks twice. But I think that kit really contributes to the Saints' success against the Bucks is that they can rush for and get pressure on Brady. So he has to make some of the more of those tight throws. They just can't quite get in there anymore with his age. But um yeah, I do like the Buccaneers chances in this game though. I think that the Rams, their offense I just can we talk about Jared Goff? I, I just I can't. I can't with Jared Goff anymore. I'm not gonna pretend that Jared Goff is a good quarterback anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I think Jared Goff is horrible. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Ryan. And I think that Jared Goff is just a dollar store version of Matt Ryan. So that basically paints my opinion of Jared Goff is that Jared Goff is all finesse, no substance. And don't get me wrong. He he knows Sean, Mc, Sean McVay's offense. He understands it. But there comes a time where you just need to get out there and throw the football. And I don't think Jared Goff can do that effectively uh, at an NFL level. And uh, I don't know what your opinions about Jared Goff are. But in my opinion, uh, he was a waste of the second uh, the second overall pick. And basically, he's – basically, I believe if you, asked, if you would ask Rams fans, they'd probably say the same. Uh, what what's, what are your thoughts about Jared Goff so far? Do you think that the Rams should probably move on from him after this year? Or do you think that they need to stay with him still? Um, I Like you, I don't think he uh, should have been a second overall pick. I think that was a real waste. I also think that, you know, you're going to throw his name in the bunch too. I think Carson Wentz was a waste. Uh, I think Jared Goff's just way too inconsistent for the NFL for him to be a good quarterback. Um, he has his good games. Uh, he also has a lot of bad games. And, uh, you know, like it is what they say, you know, defense does win championships and everything. Um, but, you know, Sean McVay does have to scheme up a lot for them to win games so that, you know, Jared Goff can feel comfortable with, you know, throwing the ball and everything and going through his progressions. Um, but I, I wouldn't say he's a bust. I just, I don't think he's good either. And I don't, I definitely don't think he was worth, you know, uh, you know, second overall pick. Speaking of a uh, draft, I agree with basically everything you just said there, but speaking of draft and analysis and all that stuff like that, the NBA draft is close approaching. Uh, David, didn't you say it was tonight? Sorry. I haven't been. It is tonight. It's in fact is tonight. Uh, my Atlanta Hawks have a top three lottery pick and a lot of analysts do in fact say that LaMelo ball will be going to the Atlanta Hawks with the third overall pick. Um, this might be a hot take. A lot of people in the basketball world are in love with Lamelo Ball. They think he has all the attributes. Uh, he can shoot. Uh, he can score in the lane. He's got the size. He's got, he's got the handles. Um, 
But I'm here to tell you that if the Atlanta Hawks draft LaMelo Ball, that it's going to be a disaster. And I'll tell you why. LaMelo Ball in Atlanta will be a terrible idea. He does the one thing that the Ball brothers do not need is another person telling them how great they are. And one thing that Atlanta people love to do is like really gas up people from Atlanta. And one thing I don't need is offset telling LaMelo Ball how great he is already. Like they do with Trey Young. Like that's one thing I do not need. Like Trey Young, don't get me wrong, Trey Young, his his game, it translates everywhere. He's a moon ball shooter. He's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. He's he's babyface Steph Curry. He literally he it's gonna translate. LaMelo Ball, I don't know how his game's gonna translate. And I don't need Offset and Quavo tell him how great he is before he even has put on the uniform. <laughs> so I don't know if that's if that's a great pick for the Hawks. I don't think they need the problem is we don't need we don't need a guard that can shoot. I don't know what position they're going to put him at. Uh, most likely he'll probably play the two. Uh, he is six seven. I don't believe I don't believe they're going to put him at point guard at six seven. Um, but the problem is he's also his size. I don't know how that's going to translate to the NBA. He does apparently. According to sources, only weigh 190 pounds. That isn't exactly large for a six-seven man. Uh, don't get me wrong; he'll put on muscle before the season. But how much muscle can he realistically put on before the December start date? Uh, that that's to be seen. Uh, what do you think about uh, some of these guys at the top? Do you th- who do you, who would you pick as the number one overall pick? Do you think it's going to be Anthony Edwards, James James Wiseman, or Labella Ball? And who do you think that the Timberwolves should pick? At the top, uh, uh, well, the Timberwolves don't need a don't really need like a prolific shooter. You know, they got D'Angelo Russell, great point guard. Uh, I think it's gonna be James Wiseman. I think he's obviously should be the number one overall pick. Um, great player, you know, great size. Um, I know he didn't he played a few games at uh, Memphis until all that stuff came out, but I think he should be obviously the number one overall pick. I think he'd pair great with uh, um cat uh, i think they'd pair great um but i i still think it's gonna be james wiseman uh, i think a lot of uh experts have also said it's gonna be james wiseman i wouldn't see why they would want to pick lamella ball that wouldn't make sense in my opinion you don't they don't really need a shooting guard or anything like that so i think it's gonna be james wiseman he's a great player great 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 uh, yeah i think i think the be- i think overall Going forward, I think Wiseman's probably the most complete player in the draft. Just drafted him right out of college. Uh, don't get me wrong, Lamelo. He's basically been playing professional basketball for about a year and a half now since he did even consider professional basketball. Yeah, that's the real question. Is uh, you know, you know, David, they do. They used to say that about all these guys coming from Europe, and they, they, I mean, all these guys. Luca Kimball, Luca Kimball. Yeah, I mean, Chris Stops. They used to say that. I mean, don't nobody can forget what Stephen A. said said about Chris Stops when he first got to the Knicks. Uh, don't get me wrong. People used to say that about Europe, but you know, these guys who go other places, they travel, uh, they play professionally. They've uh, they've worked out, and apparently, people think that Lamelo is the best player in the draft. They think he's the most talented. They think that he's what Lonzo Ball should have been uh, coming out, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm inclined to believe the experts, but I just don't, I just don't want him to come to Atlanta. Uh, I don't want him to get ruined 
by the city of Atlanta. I think that he needs to go to a place that's got a culture established. I don't think the, the Hawks have a culture, to be honest. Uh, I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think any Atlanta sports team has a culture other than the Braves. Uh, and apparently the Braves culture is losing big games in the playoffs, but um, yeah, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm a rigid, I'm a rigid, you know, broken. You sat here Atlanta barring shots on all <laughs> sports teams in Atlanta. I, I just, I just, I just, I, I got to get it out when I can, but. Do you, uh, do, you need, do you need to say something about Georgia Tech while we're on the subject? No, 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 no. They're irrelevant. Georgia's irrelevant too. Uh, just hit, just take a shot about all the all, all the Georgia fans that they're going to be Alabama early this year. You guys are basically irrelevant as well. Um, yeah, but everybody else, all the other Atlanta teams, uh, the Braves. I love watching the Braves, but you know, just a little, just to hit on the Braves a little bit. Uh, they're choke artists, basically. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Uh, they apparently, apparently, you know, they the Atlanta teams just pass the choke around. You know, certain parts of the year, uh, they the Falcons got it right now. They got a bad case of the chokes. People are worried about COVID, and I'm worried about the chokes because uh, that's what the Falcons get this time of year. Uh, but uh, back to back to the NBA is there's been a lot of trade rumors circling around the NBA. Um, I, I just wanted to hit on a couple of them. A couple of a lot of rumors. The newest one coming out is that believe it or not, Rondo uh, wants to either go to the Clippers. Or he wants to stay with the Lakers, but to hit on the Hawks again is the Hawks are apparently prepared to offer him upwards of twenty million a year to come to Atlanta, which I would be fine with. I think the Hawks need a veteran presence like Rondo to rein in some of these young players. Uh, Rondo, don't get me wrong; I don't think Rondo wants to play in Atlanta. He's been pretty vocal about wanting to play in LA for the Clippers or the Lakers, but I think that would work out if. He was to in fact come here. Uh, David, do you want to hit on some of the other the other trade trade rumors and some of the things that have already happened? Yeah, so I've heard about Rondo and everything, and uh, I've seen you know, a couple of trade rumors for the Lakers. Um, apparently, they're interested in you know Dennis Schroeder. They're willing to uh, deal Kyle Kuzma and uh, some picks for him, which I was kind of surprised. Um, they're also interested in um, oh man, now his name's not gonna come to mind. Um, uh, gosh, we'll come. We'll come back to that. Uh, I I think uh probably the best one was uh the Suns picking up Chris Paul. I think that was very good. Uh, congrats to their front office and getting that uh deal done. Um, I think he's gonna pair well. With um Devin Booker, um now obviously they're almost a uh, um a playoff team last year. You know they they were running running the sh- running the floor and uh and the um bubble. Um, unfortunately, they barely missed out and everything. Um, but uh, I think I think uh with them picking up Chris Paul, you know his 15 years of experience that's going to lift him, you know finally to that playoff spot. Um. But going back to the Lakers, uh, I also have seen that they have been interested in trading uh, the Spurs for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I've seen that they're willing to give picks, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and I think Danny Green's in the discussion. I think I think Danny Green's one of the biggest players that the Patriots are willing to deal. Um, I'm at the Patriots, but the Lakers. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if the Lakers get anyone. I do think they're going to trade for someone, whether it's a big name or not. Uh 
but it, that's as far as I've heard. I know the the Bucks have been doing a lot of moving. Uh, they've dealt a lot of players. I think they dealt Eric Bledsoe. Uh, DiVincenzo's been dealt. A lot of picks have been dealt. They're just trying to you know keep uh, Giannis happy so that he'll stay in Milwaukee. Why would you not want to you know keep your superstar happy? So uh, a lot of very a lot of, a lot of moves have already been made. Uh, nothing nothing too big. Probably the biggest one being Chris Paul. Um, I also have seen that James Harden has uh, demanded a trade and is looking to go to uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I think Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston as well. Uh, be interesting to see who wants to pick up him. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the coming weeks for the NBA. Going to get real interesting real soon. Yeah, uh, the basically the biggest trade that's happened so far is the Chris Paul uh, deal that you touched on a little bit. Uh, I think that this makes the Suns a pretty lethal team that a lot of teams are going to have the unfortunate pleasure of playing. Uh, I thought the Suns were pretty good last year. Uh, they had a little, don't get me wrong. They, they started out very slow. Uh, they didn't quite get into a rhythm until late into the regular season. And then one, once they got into the bubble and they just caught fire. I mean, everybody saw it. Uh, basically the whole world was watching the Phoenix Suns just absolutely just tear apart the regular season portion of the bubble. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't quite make it. The Trailblazers end up making it in the last spot. Uh, the Trailblazers, Damon Lillard, you know, you know what Damon Lillard's about. Uh, they end up, they end up, uh, you know, making a pretty decent statement against the Lakers. Uh, they, they stole two games in that series, but one game. Oh, excuse me. One game. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Excuse me. Th- thank, thank you for the correction, Mr. Lakers fan. But, um, mm. Uh, yeah, but another thing I wanted to touch on was uh, I think Chris Paul makes the Suns a much better basketball team. Uh, they really didn't have a guard that was basically just a facilitator, a guy that could score points if they needed him to, but a guy that's going to lock up the team's number one scoring option at the guard position, but can also pass and really just conduct offense and defense at the same time uh another thing i wanted to i wanted to hit on right now is uh there's some there's been some rumors that a lot of teams are trying to move in the draft uh a lot of people are saying that the rockets might be trying to move some players to move up to number two and if that happens do you believe okay basically harden wants out we know this do you think that the Rockets would be willing to trade Harden to one of these top teams in order to get their pick and basically just get any anything they can from this Harden trade deal? Uh, I think they would be willing. I wouldn't see why not. I mean, you have your star player wants to leave, so you're going to have to get another another really good player to become your star player. I'm not saying like any rookie is going to be a star player right out of the gate. But you are gonna have to replace him with something. Yeah, same thing with you know Russell Wils- Russell Westbrook. Um, if you know he wants out, then you're definitely gonna need something. Because if not, uh, I've no clue what the Rockets would do. Uh, they also don't have their head coach anymore. Um, he left. Uh, so I would I if I was Houston, I would see why not. I why I would not trade up. You know, maybe for the third picks or the second pick or something. I don't think they'll get the first pick. 
But uh, I think it'd be a really good idea for them to trade up for the second pick and, you know, deal with James Harden, and, you know, if he doesn't want to play for y'all anymore. Yeah, there's really no point in keeping James Harden at this point. Uh, they offered him all that money. He turned it down. Uh, he has almost no desire to play there anymore. He's been pretty vocal in saying that. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, Kawhi. Yeah, basically, base, yeah, basically, it's the Kawhi situation from last year, where the Raptors, uh, they wanted. Oh, oh excuse me, sorry. The Kawhi situation from a couple years back when he had no desire to stay with the Spurs. The Spurs knew it. Kawhi knew it. Everybody else knew it. So Kawhi basically just got to pick where he wanted to go, and I think that's going to turn into the same situation here with James Harden. Is James Harden? It's basically just going to be pseudo free agency. And James Harden is just going to pick where he wants to go. Um, James Harden is, in fact, a free agent, though, isn't he? Like, his deal is, is he... done. That's... I know. I, I know he... Did he not request a trade? Uh, I don't. I, I, did, I did see that they did uh, offer him an extension that he did, in fact, turn down. Um, I don't know if that was just a, they wanted to restructure his deal. Or if that his deal was already up, but what we won't touch on that very much. But one thing, one thing we do know, we'll just we'll just talk about what we do know is that he wants out. Uh, the rumor is that he really wants to go to Brooklyn. Uh, whether or not Brooklyn has the capital or the cap space to trade or acquire him is going to be the real question. But do you think that a team with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant would be the obvious choice to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. Um, yes and no. Uh, of course, Kevin Durant's very good. Uh, Kyrie's good. James Harden's very good. But uh, you can't forget how deep uh, Boston is. You know, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, he's only 22. Uh, Kimball Walker, um, Marcus Smart, all of those guys. You can't forget how, how deep the the Celtics are, uh, Miami Heat too. Uh, they're another very good team. Um, I'm not gonna say that the Brooklyn is the obvious choice. Uh, I think they, you know, of course, if they got him, they pass the eye test and everything. But you'd see, you'd have to see how well all three of them, you know, play together. As you know, Kevin Durant demands the ball a lot. So does uh, uh, James Harden. I know Kyrie really doesn't demand the ball a lot. You know, he's the point guard. He he's fine with sitting back. He did play with LeBron James. Um. Could I see them representing the East? Uh, of course, uh, but it doesn't matter because uh, Lakers in five. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, that's a <laughs> that's basically uh, a good ending point. Uh, this has been the Coaches Don't Play podcast. Coaches Don't Play Sports podcast. Excuse me. Uh, you can find us wherever you enjoy your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcast. Pandora, you know where we're at. Uh, a YouTube channel is pending. We probably are going to set up a YouTube channel if you like to listen to your podcast on YouTube. Uh, we're going to need to set up some links. We're probably going to set up some social media here soon. But for the time being, just be on standby and take it easy. See ya. Hello, what's up, everybody? This is the Coaches Don't Play Sports podcast. I'm your host, Blake Zettler, joined by my co-host, David Cherub. How are you doing today, David?
<laughs> we're just going. Yeah, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty turbulent week for uh, for you the last the last about week. We had a lot of sports, a lot of things happened in sports, cancellations, you know, games being postponed. Uh, a couple of your teams had some cancellations, some bye weeks, but uh, a big story from this week is. In college football is Notre Dame continues to roll against Boston College and a couple of cancellations and a couple of, of players moving on to the NFL from their programs like Tamori on Terry from Florida State. Uh, what are your comments about basically Tamori on Terry giving up on the program at Florida State after seeing pretty much no direction with the program so far? Yeah, and the interesting thing about Tamori on Terry is that um, Norvell, the offense really hasn't been the problem for Florida State uh, these past these past couple of games and throughout the season. It's really been the defense that's been letting them down. Against North Carolina, they scored a pretty decent amount of points. They uh, got on the board a decent bit against a pretty pretty good Notre Dame team. And, uh, and you know, this last game against NC State was really the only game so far that they've had trouble moving the ball consistently but to be fair jordan travis is out purdy's in there tori on terry they they all uh, they they don't have him obviously as we just as we just talked about but yeah south carolina i actually did not know that uh i was kind of expecting that after they moved on from from their head coach but you know, this I didn't expect it to be so soon and so many players now that I'm looking at it. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, you're you grew up, you know, right next to USC, you know, the area, you know what the culture is about. How do you think the people uh, at USC are taking all these changes?
Yeah, this does seem to happen to a lot of players. And uh, it's interesting because of COVID, because of the eligibility, and this year not counting towards eligibility. I think a lot more players are uh, more inclined to make this move because even if their their draft stock would go down, they can just transfer to another school, play another year, and then their draft stock would go back up. So I think that COVID definitely has some sort of influence on the, on some of these players' decisions. Um, not wanting to stick around with these coaches that they don't really feel like have their best interest in, interest in mind or that they can, or they're compatible with uh, and X's and O's wise. But uh, enough about uh, you know coaching regime changes and cancellation stuff like that. Uh, there was football played this Saturday. Uh, a lot of people would say not very interesting football. But we touched on last week, uh, two team or the week before last, excuse me. We touched on two teams that we thought were pretty interesting. Cincinnati and BYU both captured victories this Saturday. And did the performance from Cincinnati and or BYU change your opinion on whether or not they were playoff their playoff pretenders or contenders or not or pretty much you have the same uh, take from last time that cincinnati is for real and byu is basically just a blimp on the radar Yeah, um, yeah, we we touched on this uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati. It's just really interesting. The reason why I brought it up again this week was that they just keep they just keep rolling. They're they've looked impressive every team they've played. Uh, it hasn't really been. It's been consistent. If the committee is looking for consistency, Cincinnati really hasn't. There hasn't hasn't really been any any valleys or uh, or dips in performance. They've basically just been the same team all year. And uh, so basically what you're saying is that your take is the same, that if you were going to put one of these two teams in the playoffs, that it would be Cincinnati.
Yeah, one thing I've really observed about the committee is that you really don't know what's going to happen until they release the rankings. The AP poll has differed from the from the committee a decent bit over the past of I believe it's six years now that the playoff has been a thing. So you never really know what's going to happen. But uh, moving on from the you know the conjecture, uh, some things that are definitely going to happen this upcoming week is Indiana is indeed going to play Ohio state and David known uh, Ohio state fan. How do you feel about uh, Indiana's chances against your Buckeyes? Or do you feel like you guys are just going to roll? That's that's respectable. That's a respectable margin. It's twenty one points. Um, I would be inclined to believe you that Ohio State is going to win this weekend. Now, do I think it's going to be a 21-point margin of victory? Probably not. I think this game gets a little sloppier than you think. Uh, I think um, Ohio State might, might, you know, they might lull themselves into a bit of some confidence coming into this game because uh, the 21 point, they probably think that they're going to win by 21 points as well going into this game. They're like, oh, it's just Indiana again. This happens every single year. Indiana thinks they're good. We just go in there. We just, they just come here. We go there and we just roll them. But the thing about this Indiana team is that there's just something different about it. I just don't know what it is. Uh, they passed the eye test for me that it's a football team that just wants to win games they just know how to win they're gritty they win by any means necessary they've won by 
almost every single game that they play, they win in a different way. Uh, the Penn State game, it was a shootout. They scored a bunch of points. Uh, last week, they played Michigan State. They just absolutely rolled them. Didn't, they pretty much just didn't give up anything on defense. They were impeccable on special teams. Uh, Indiana is just a well-coached football team. Uh, it reminds me of how Minnesota has been in years past, where P.J. Fleck has just outcoached some of the, oppo- the opposing coaches, and he just surprised a lot of teams. And I think that Indiana will probably surprise uh, people watching the game thinking that Ohio State is going to roll them because I think they do make it closer than people think. Don't get me wrong. I think Ohio State probably wins by two scores, but I don't think they're going to pull away until the end, and I think that Indiana will be pretty – will be surprisingly competent this weekend. The thing – Yeah, but what was Indiana's record going into the game last year? Yeah, but it's also this Indiana team, it doesn't I've watched Indiana in years past. I've been one of those people that uh I personally, and this might be a hot take, I think the Big Ten is the most overrated conference. I think when you go out of the Ohio State, uh some of these teams, some of these quote unquote you know, titans of, you know, college football, like Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. They've really been lackluster these past couple of years. Uh, Michigan, the Jim Harbaugh experiment just hasn't worked out. Uh, I was pretty much one of Jim Harbaugh's biggest critics. I will uh, put on the record that I never liked khaki pants uh, the entire time he was there. I didn't like him when he was the Niners coach. I thought he was a crybaby. I thought when calls didn't go his way, he would just blame that. He would make a lot of excuses. And I think he is, uh, he's already starting to make excuses now at Michigan for why he's not successful. And I think that he, I think people, the people of Michigan and people in Ann Arbor just need to get him up out of there before he does some permanent damage to the program because it just he just hasn't it just hasn't worked out and i don't think that his style of coaching and his style of defense works in college football i think they figured him out and i don't think that there's anything that could change my mind about that going forward now as you said about indiana um indiana yeah uh they haven't beat ohio state in a while and i'm not saying i'm not saying they're gonna beat them don't get me wrong I don't, i'm not saying indiana's gonna win but i'm just saying that indiana will be surprisingly competent in this matchup like indiana is probably going to be the biggest the biggest test for the buckeyes the entire year i think indiana is probably the best team they'll play uh, you could probably say wisconsin is the other do, do y'all play wisconsin this year Most likely you will, and you will most likely play Wisconsin in that game. Uh, yeah, unless they have to cancel another game, which may happen because of their quarterback situation. But, um, yeah, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. You know, everybody knows Wisconsin. They're going to come up, come in there, play defense, run the ball. You know, 
classic Wisconsin football. Uh, that would be an interesting test for Ohio State. You know, give them give them give them maybe a different look, some different schemes, some schemes you're not used to. You know, you play all these teams. You're Ohio State. You play all these teams that come out in these big spread formations. They pass the ball around, play backyard football. You go to play Wisconsin. Wisconsin lines up in the in the eye, the wishbone. You know, all the Wisconsin shenanigans they love to do. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day. Uh, if you're an Ohio State hater, uh, Indiana is basically your only hope this year. Uh, I don't see any other team on the schedule now that I'm looking at it that even can hold Ohio State's jock strap at this point. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna be any challenge for them the rest of the year if Indiana can at least push them to the fourth quarter. Uh, basically, you might as well punch their ticket to the playoff if they beat Indiana this weekend. So. Uh, that should be a good one. Do you have any closing statement about that game before we move on to the next one? All right. Yeah. So the next game I wanted to talk about, the next probably big game, if it's not canceled, I will go ahead and just preface that. Um, Wisconsin indeed does play Northwestern this weekend. Um, that's a bit other big, huge Big Ten matchup if it's not canceled. Uh, Wisconsin, haven't seen a lot of them this year. You know, the games have been canceled. Northwestern, been surprisingly good. Uh, throughout the start of this season. Uh, how do you see this game uh, cracking out? Do you think if Wisconsin can play and they're healthy and all their players are clear- cleared from COVID, they're the obvious winner of this game? Or do you think Northwestern can surprise some people and maybe pitch pitch a, pitch a uh, upset here?
Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, Northwestern, they were good a couple of years ago. They've, uh, they're not really a school when you think about, you know, big 10, you know, uh, big boy football. What do you think about? You don't really think about Northwestern in that way, really. But, uh, as you, as, as we've stated multiple times, Wisconsin hasn't played a lot recently. They're coming off of a lot of COVID cancellation postponing and that, uh, you can't really ignore that. That might play a factor in this game. Uh, I'd argue that I'd play a huge factor in this game. Northwestern has played double. You know, I mean, they've played two more games, and Wisconsin's only played two, and they literally have played uh, three weeks more recently than Wisconsin has. They're going to be more prepared. They're going to be more conditioned. They're going to be more used to tackling. A lot of people forget that football shape and being in shape are a lot different. Uh, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin has been practicing, of course, but some of the, those virtual practices and stuff like that just don't get you ready uh, for these type of games. This is a huge game for both these teams, and the nerves, even though there isn't the crowd, don't get me wrong, if there was if there was a crowd, I would outright probably most likely pick Northwestern in this game if there was a crowd. Uh, if the same thing was occurring, but since there's not a crowd, it doesn't. The nerves probably won't pay play as big of a part in the game. Uh, <laughs> it is a trap game for Wisconsin, though. I will say, I it is a, it's a big trap game for Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin fan and you have higher aspirations than just the Big Ten championship, this is a game that you absolutely have to win. If you're if you're Wisconsin, and if they don't, then uh, pretty much they might as well pack the bags up. They might basically all the rest of their games might as well get canceled because of COVID because their season is effectively over if they can't beat Northwestern uh, at Ryan's field. Yeah, the really the Big Ten is where you're gonna find most of your interesting matchups this weekend. Uh, yeah, there's there's not really the SEC basically across the board. Just gonna be a bunch of games where you're probably just gonna see the other team roll, roll the other. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's one of the games. Uh, Florida plays Vanderbilt. You know, I'm sure that'll be interesting for Cal Trask. Uh, basically, it'll be like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, for Kyle Trask, basically, uh, he'll probably inflate some of his Heisman stats in that game. Oh, uh, the next, um, I have no idea. I know he took the big shot in the last game. Uh, I believe he did. He did they say he had a concussion, or is he, or is he cleared to play? Yeah, that would be uh that would be something to watch for Florida. Not for this upcoming game. Don't get me wrong. They're going to absolutely annihilate Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't I really wouldn't be worried. But <laughs> Oh, did he really? All right.
Oh, if he's not going to play the if he's not going to play the rest of the year or for the foreseeable future, that will be a problem uh, moving forward for Florida, as they are pretty much the favorite to come out of the East. They're almost a shoo-in to come out of the East, barring an absolute disaster. Uh, some some of these upcoming weeks, but uh, yeah, the more interesting game I wanted to move on to, you know, we pretty much just brushed over the SEC. Uh, not really any interesting matchups there. Uh, in the Big Twelve, an absolutely massive matchup this weekend. Oklahoma State plays Oklahoma. Uh, in Oklahoma, uh, at Oklahoma, uh, Spencer Rattler and uh Spencer Sanders both coming off of. Absolutely great games for both those teams. Uh, you'll probably see a lot of points scored in this game, as uh, Shannon Sharp likes to say, they don't play defense in the Big 12. And, uh, yeah, uh, do you <laughs> – I, I, I honestly don't even want to give my give a pick on this game because the Big 12 you, the Big Twelve this year, it's just been – excuse my French, it's just been a clusterfuck. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I – Honestly, knock yourself out. I have no idea who I think. That is so funny that you say that because I actually have the opposite take of the game. I think that uh, Oklahoma State is not going to be ready for Oklahoma. I think that Oklahoma, uh, this might be might be an interesting thing to say, but I think Oklahoma rolls Oklahoma State in this game. I think Oklahoma may win. The line right now is uh, Oklahoma, believe it or not, minus seven. So Vegas also likes what i'm what i'm saying uh i haven't seen anything for oklahoma state don't get me wrong chuba hubbard he's a star he's gonna go to the nfl uh some but it's but it's okay david that's basically that's basically like saying you're the principal of a home school david like there's nothing it doesn't matter you play you can't if you slap lipstick on a pig it's still a pig david like it's they're playing defense in the big 12 they don't play defense if you play any modicum of defense in the big 12 then you're the best defense in the big 12 like it doesn't like what i'm saying is that offense is what matters in the big 12 and oklahoma knows offense lincoln riley knows offense that's basically that. That's been his brand. That's what they do. Uh, 
I I really don't have a horse in the race, but I'm just saying uh, what I think my what my eyes tell me. I think Oklahoma. They've been there before. They know how it is. They're gonna be more prepared for this game. Oklahoma State really. This has probably been the first time Oklahoma State has really been. You know. The Big Twelve, the Big Twelve, usually the root for Oklahoma. If you're a Big Twelve fan, you're like, oh, I want Oklahoma to make the playoff, get some representation in there. But now people are looking to Oklahoma State to make the playoff, and Oklahoma State, I don't know how much, how much they're gonna give in. yeah, I don't know how much they're gonna give in to the pressure on that. I don't know if if Oklahoma State can be a front runner like Oklahoma has been all these years. Uh, Lincoln Riley, as I said, he just does a great job with Oklahoma. Uh, don't get me wrong, their defense has been abysmal, but we all knew that. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't believe that it's really controversial to say that Oklahoma is going to win. But the really the controversial take I'm going to have is I think Oklahoma, and you can quote me on this, wins by at least 17 points. Yeah, I'm giving Vegas 10 points right now, David, and I like, I like my chances. This is this is the type of take that if you put it on social media, you would get absolutely eviscerated in the mentions. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I don't, I'm not, I'm not sold like the Oklahoma State is better than is better than Texas. Like I think I think Texas straight up is is just better. Like that I might. I don't, I don't like. Tell me if I'm crazy, but when I watch both those teams play, I just think Texas Texas is better. And they lost to TCU, but those are. Yeah, basically, uh, we talked we talked about the Big Twelve uh, the week before last, and basically we were, we're basically just hitting on the same points. I just wanted to get you know my hot take about the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game out before, so just so I could you know be on the record when you know it does in fact come true because you know I'm an analytical genius as you already know, David. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that's enough about college football. There's not that many interesting matchups uh, upcoming. Uh, I think it's time to move on to the NFL, where we had a lot of interesting games this past week. Uh, the one that I really wanted to talk about with David, as we established uh, the week before last, David is, in fact, a Patriots fan. The Patriots got a very interesting win against Lamar Jackson and his Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Um, David, do you think that this bodes well for New England's chances to make the playoffs, or do you think that this... Basically, what I'm asking you is, does this say more about the Patriots being better than people thought, or does this say more about Lamar and the Ravens and how far their train has gone off the tracks? 
Um, you guys didn't make the playoffs in 2009 when you guys had Matt Castle and you guys went 11 and five and still didn't make the playoffs, which uh, I find, which as a Patriots hater, uh, as a Falcons fan, yeah, haha, 28 to three. I absolutely love the fact that in 2009 you guys went 11 and five and still didn't make the playoffs. I just like to add that, but uh, but my uh, my take on the whole you know Lamar Raven situation. To take the words out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth, R-E-L-A-X is what Ravens fans need to do. Just relax. It's Lamar. Lamar will be Lamar. when Come playoff time, they'll win games. It's going to happen. You know, players have bad weeks. They have bad stretches. It happens. It's not, all, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. You're still 6-3. Like people, like, people just need to calm down. Like these people on Twitter and Instagram that are just absolutely eviscerating Lamar on social media that you forget Lamar was not supposed to be. Nobody even thought Lamar was going to be a competent quarterback in the NFL. Lamar has absolutely overperformed his draft stock. Like he people for apparently people already have amnesia because, you know, the whole COVID thing that Lamar was the MVP of the league last year. Like people yeah, unanimous MVP. Lamar really is that good, and I think uh, I'm probably here to defend Lamar. I always, I've always thought Lamar was good, and I still think that he's he's good now. Uh, seeing seeing him at Louisville, I always knew that he was gonna be pretty good. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think he's got some accuracy issues. He needs to he needs to work on maybe this off season. Uh, I don't think that right now he's a competent enough passer for the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't believe it's ever been an I don't believe it's ever been an intelligence thing for Lamar. I believe Lamar understands the defense. I think he knows where he wants to attack the defense throwing throwing the football. I just don't think that he has the mechanics yet to do so. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where I see all these people on social media and stuff like that, and I'm like, do you guys understand how spoiled you guys really are that you're complaining about about Lamar Jackson? Like, uh, I just I just want people to I just want people to realize what they're actually complaining about is they're complaining about a six and three season. Like, like I I get it. The Ravens, all these people on these talk shows, all these all these people on on social media, the players, they're really confident coming into this year. A lot of people picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Uh, now they probably couldn't anticipate it how good the Steelers really were going to be. That probably put a wrench in a lot of people's you know plans, quote unquote, for how the season was going to lay out. Uh, I do think that basically right now it's a it's a two team race in the AFC now.
Uh, they, you know, that's a that's a good question because the Steelers, they're they're they might be undefeated, but people need to people don't need to forget. Uh, people also need to relax about the Steelers. I've seen a lot of people say that the Steelers are the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I'm just here to tell you right now that people, this is not the first time that this has happened. This is not the first time that the Steelers have absolutely made waves in the regular season. They looked like they were world beaters. They looked like they were unstoppable. They only lost one or two games in the regular season. And then once they get to the playoff and people have tape on them and the players, you know, maybe one disagrees with another one, it all comes falling off the rails. Uh, but one thing I will say about this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh team is that it feels, it feels different. Uh, they're more well, don't get me wrong, they've always been defense oriented they've always been defense oriented. But I feel like this defense matches up so well with all of these NFL type offenses. I don't think they've ever had a pass rusher as good as TJ Watt. Um, I think TJ Watt really gives gives them a person that they can just go, you know, basically the difference between this Pittsburgh team and all the defense they had before is they have pass rushers that can get pressure rushing four. And that's really been something they haven't really been in. It hasn't been in their hasn't been in their toolkit uh in years past. Yeah. They, they, they there's a reason why they got, you know, the nickname Blitzburg. They did they used to blitz a lot. Uh Dick LeBeau, he absolutely loved to blitz quarterbacks, get him off balance. Troy Palomalu, famous for that strong safety blitz. All these people, yeah, Kevin Green, all those guys. Uh he absolutely loved to do that. Uh but now but now Steelers fans, sometimes they get pressure rushing three because TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, and those guys are just so good that they don't even they they don't even need to rush backers or safeties and they just get pressure on the quarterback. And that's really been the difference. Uh a huge as people know, a huge difference. Fantasy football owners have really know Chase Claypool, uh I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh. It might be the something about the water at the facility or something. Every single time a young receiver comes through Pittsburgh, they absolutely have a splash first couple seasons. Uh, it was A.B. Uh, Martavis Bryant was really good when he first got there. Juju. Now it's Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod. All these guys like that, they're just uh, – don't get me wrong, the coaching. Uh, Mike Tomlin, he's always been good at coaching guys up. He's always been good at developing players. Don't get me wrong. Mike Tomlin is probably uh, one of the top – not probably. He is one of the top head coaches in the NFL. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think Mike Tomlin – yeah, I don't think Mike Tomlin is, has ever been the problem uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think he could have managed some of the Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell situations better. But overall, Mike Tomlin, of course, I don't think there's any arguing, has done a terrific job in Pittsburgh. There's a reason why he's been around so long. Uh, but yeah, the Steelers, as you were saying, I do think the Steelers are as good as advertised, but I just don't think that they're the greatest team ever. Like some people are trying to advertise them as, but I do believe that they are, they're my pick to make the Super Bowl at this point. Um, don't get me wrong. The chiefs, you love the, I mean, I love, I, I love the chiefs chances, Patrick Mahomes, whenever you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill, uh, even Clyde Edwards-Alaire panned out of because of because of course he did basically, you know, they're the Harlem globe charters of football. All they do is score points, you know, big splash plays and stuff like that. They make it look cool. Everybody wants to every, I feel like every kid nowadays wants to throw like Patrick Mahomes. They throw on sidearm passes and stuff like that. But, uh, 
yeah, no look passes, which will cost you points in fantasy. I'm looking at you, Patrick Mahomes. Had Travis Kelsey that one week last year where he tried to throw the no look and it went over his head. Haven't forgot about that. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I want to. I now want to move on to another interesting game. Um, Miami and uh, Los Angeles, as in the Chargers, faced off this weekend. Uh, Tua third straight win as a starter. Uh, did you think that Tua was going to be as poised and as good as he is already coming in? Or did you think that they weren't even going to start him because Fitzpatrick was doing so good? Or do you think that it's Flores' defense that is making the Dolphins' job so much easier? Or do you think Tua is playing a significant role in their success? Yeah, um, I, this might be a little bit of a biased take. If you, if you know, you guys knew me, Tua is my guy. I'm wearing a shirt with Tua on it right now. Full disclosure of uh, the Miami Tide Old Rose shirt. I'm currently wearing that right now. But uh, I've absolutely loved to see what Tua is doing. Uh, all the stuff that made him special at Alabama, he's showing off. Uh, something that I always knew was going to translate to the NFL was that accuracy. Tua had. Tua is the most accurate thrower of the football I've ever seen. If you need someone, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I still don't forget Justin Fields last year lofting at 50 yards over receivers' heads in, in, in big games, David. Okay, let's go ahead and count. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Haven't seen Justin Fields in the league yet, so we're not going to talk about him yet. Uh, we'll do, pre-draft, we can talk about how you think he's going to translate to the league, but he's still got a couple games here to play at Ohio State before we start talking about his league, how he's going to translate. But as I was saying to, uh, you know, he's he's accurate. Showing off a little bit of the moves. You know, a lot of people were concerned uh, about that leg of his. Uh, made a huge play against the against the Cardinals uh, last weekend when he evaded he evaded pressure on a fourth down, picked up a first down. It was a huge play in that game. Uh, made a couple plays with his leg and legs in this game too. Uh, don't get me wrong, uh, Brian Flores. He's honestly he's pretty much already established that he was the no brainer uh, pick off of Belichick's staff 
uh, the Dolphins knew what they were getting with Brian Flores, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people like Brian Flores as the pick, uh, opposed to Joe Judge, uh, that the Giants chose to be their head coach. Uh, a lot of people did not like the pick of Joe Judge because they thought he was inexperienced, but the adverse to that is Brian Flores who I believe is doing a terrific job. I think that the Dolphins will make the playoffs this year. Uh, now, do I think the Dolphins want to make the playoffs? Like upper high brass? I don't believe they do. I don't believe they do. I think part of starting Tua was they were like, oh, well, we'll start Tua. Uh, we don't want to win that many games. We'll just get him some experience. But they were like, oh, crap. Tua's really good. And we've won three straight. So might as well now start you know, committing to this whole playoff thing. We're not really used to it. You know, it's been a while. Hasn't been since Tannehill that we even made the playoffs. And I think people in my people in Miami, they gotta be excited uh about about Tua. They're getting they're getting, you know, their results so early with Tua. They're probably it's probably like Christmas morning in Miami, waking up after every single game. Uh they're probably they're probably like, oh man, we finally got a quarterback that can actually do what needs to be done. They basically, they probably basically think they got the new Dan Marino. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Tua is the new Dan Marino, but I feel like if you're a Miami fan, it feels like you got the new Dan Marino because of how well he's playing. And I think that uh, Miami fans are probably pretty excited, but a team you did touch on. uh, That's a great segue is the Arizona Cardinals who beat a very good bills team this weekend. Uh, So, a very, very good matchup. We'll just go ahead and start talking about the matchups ahead in the NFL. They play the Seahawks tomorrow night. Uh, a huge matchup for the NFC West. Probably the biggest game uh, that we've seen so far between two opponents in the NFL, uh, playoff picture-wise. Um, do you like the Cardinals' chances? Because the Seahawks have been really – they've basically been slipping these past couple of games. Um, the Seahawks, they've got some problems uh, that have really been exposed these past couple games. Uh, or do you think that the Seahawks are still basically the big brother of the NFC West and that they'll take care of business again and beat the Cardinals? Um, yeah, the interesting the uh oh, excuse me, go ahead. Yeah, um oh trust me, I do know they had the worst pass defense because uh I look up the Falcons statistics a lot and I was like, Oh man, we're we're not last. We're thirty first because the Seahawks the Seahawks are last. I was like, let's get it. Uh, but yeah, this game is going to be a shootout. It all, it 
basically, uh, now we've seen that the Seahawks, if they win games, they're shootouts basically almost all the time. Um, but the big thing about this game is going to be, can the Seahawks put pressure on Kyler Murray and force him into things that he doesn't want to do? Kyler Murray has shown that if you can get him off his spot, he can be influenced into making decisions and throws that he doesn't want to make. But if you give Kyler Murray the time and you let him get his tempo going, Kyler Murray has shown that when he gets a rhythm, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, If he can really get in sync and just sit back and just toss, toss the football. Um, As you said, the big key to the game for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is don't turn the ball over. They've done a terrible job with that. Uh, Their turnover differential in the past couple games has been abysmal. Uh, they can't force turnovers. They turn the ball over. That's just not a recipe for winning games in the NFL. It's probably never. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but the the there's no secret. The big problem for the Seahawks this year has been pass rush. They're dead last in quarterback pressures, quarterback hurries, sacks. They just they just can't. They just flat out can't get pressure on the quarterback. Um, now, something that will be interesting to look at in this division is how the Rams have made a late-season push to cement their position in the division. Uh, as the Rams, uh, just we we talked we just talked about the Dolphins. Is the Dolphins, believe it or not, uh, it just goes to show you how 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 legitimate the Dolphins actually are. As the Dolphins beat the Rams and the Cardinals, who have both beat the Seahawks. And a lot of people in the beginning of the year thought the Seahawks were the best team in the NFC. So that just goes to show you if you're still skeptical about the Dolphins, that's just another aspect of how decent the Dolphins actually are this year. But I want to talk about the Rams because a lot of people forgot, honestly, a lot of people forgot the Rams were really even a thing until they started winning again this year. Uh, They were basically irrelevant last year. Um, They had a lot of injuries, you know. Uh, people basically figured them out on offense, as uh, a lot of people talked about after the Super Bowl. Uh, Belichick basically dismantled them, and they had to—they pretty much had to rebuild their whole offensive scheme from the ground up. Uh, Sean McVay has done a great job this year, uh, you know, mixing up the looks, getting wins when he needs to. The Rams, uh, once again, they're—they're—they're they're, they're a good football team again. Basically, is the point of what I'm saying. Uh, they're first in the NFC West. It's a three-way tie. It's a deadlock. Uh, that's going to change after Thursday night. The winner will become the new king of the NFC West. But what I'm saying is, is that this game for the Seahawks is a must-win. The Seahawks have to win it if they have any plans of winning this division. They have to win it. Uh, if you're the Cardinals, you can afford to lose it. Um, don't get me wrong; it's not it's not a good idea to lose it. Don't get me wrong. But they can't afford to, as they they still can look forward to two matchups against the Rams. Uh, the last one coming in week week seventeen, if the season isn't extended, that is because they have, they have talked about changing to an eighteen week season and expanded playoff format. But um, yeah, I just wanted to you know touch on that big game. That's a huge game this weekend, probably the biggest one. Probably the biggest the biggest game we've seen so far this year. Either that or the Ravens Steelers game was the biggest that we've seen this year. Uh, another interesting game to talk about. Uh, it's always interesting. 
the game. It's all it always caused a lot of fuss, a lot of flair. Uh, the Falcons are playing the Saints this weekend. Uh, one of the much interesting rivalries in the NFL. Uh, usually, there's a lot, of, a lot of points scored in this game, but this time around, no Drew Brees for the Saints. Uh, Jameis Winston will be the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints if everything that has been indicated is true. Uh, so, David, what do you think about Crab Legs getting the start? Do you think that he'll do a good job, or do you think that this could be a disaster for New Orleans this Sunday? You know, uh, an interesting thing I always like to say is the odd ma- the odds makers, they never learn their lesson, do they? Because every single time I look at one of these games, and if you're if you've been following the NFC South, if you've been following this rivalry for a long time, they almost always split it. Uh, there's been a there's been there was a span where the Saints basically dominated the Falcons uh, earlier in the decade, uh, but here recently, even when the Falcons were not good uh, last year. They split the series. They absolutely embarrassed the Saints on their home field last year. Uh, something I think it was, I think it might have been like 23 to 6 or something. The Saints just couldn't get anything going. The Falcons almost played a perfect game on defense. Uh, once again, uh, ESPN thinks the Saints are going to win. They're gonna, probably going to win big, is what they're saying. But uh, like you, I don't see it that way. Uh, I think if the Saints win the game, they're going to have to come back. Uh, which is very likely. If the Falcons have a lead, there's about a 50-50 shot. They're going to blow it, as everybody knows. Uh, and I see this game is that an interesting thing about Jameis Winston is everybody's like, oh, Jameis Winston, this is going to be a test for him and everything. Really, it isn't. Because Jameis Winston could not have picked a better opponent to make his first start in that black and gold against. Jameis Winston, historically has been a nightmare for the Falcons' defense. He has dominated the Falcons. In in his time in Tampa Bay, he just shredded them. I I, I don't know what the average is, but I, if I was a betting man and I didn't even have the statistics in front of me, he probably averaged over 300 yards a game. Uh, I know last year the Bucs, he, he was not even 
Uh, don't get me wrong, he threw for a lot of yards and touchdowns, but he didn't even turn the ball over very much against the Falcons, and all he did last year was turn the ball over. That's just how well he did play against the Falcons last year. Uh, the Falcons ended up stealing a win from the Bucs uh, at the end of last year, which, which stopped them from getting to the playoffs. Uh, Deion Jones had a costly pick six at the end, but I believe that was the only turnover he had in the two matchups. Um, but as you said, you, you have a feeling the Falcons are going to win this game. I have a feeling that they are going to lose this game by a pretty cons- by a pretty considerable margin. Uh, I don't think they have a a snowball's chance in hell of winning this game. Uh, if I was a if I was a betting odd, I if I was a betting man, I would. Uh, okay, don't get me wrong. Yes, I do want the better pick. I basically given up on this season. Uh, if you know me, uh, I want to. Uh, I thought the Falcons should have blew it up a long time ago. Uh, after last year, I was a fan of blowing it up. Uh, getting rid of some of these players for picks. But uh I understand, you know, I understand that, you know, the new the new head coach, he's trying to he's trying to, you know, make a good impression. He's trying to get some wins, so he'll keep him. But I, I don't think the Falcons are going to keep him. I think they're gonna move on with the head coaching job. Uh but the thing about this game is is that if I was a betting man, I'm taking the Saints just straight up. Honestly. If I could put my life savings on it, I would. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think the Saints, it's just an obvious an obvious win for the Saints. But if you're an odds maker, you're probably very nervous about this game because in previous matchups when the Saints were favored very heavily, the Falcons came out and just absolutely bushwhacked them for no uh, discernible reason. Um, so that, I just wanted to talk about that because I thought that was very interesting as Drew Brees not being healthy. Uh, as another little aspect to that game, and Falcons Saints games are all, all are always interesting if you watch them. Uh, another matchup that is going to be very interesting is Tampa Bay plays the Rams this weekend. We talked about the Rams a little bit. Uh, they actually don't play them on the weekend; they play them on Monday night. Um, Tom Brady, pretty you know conservative, pretty good on Monday nights. Wasn't great on Monday. Don't get me wrong; the last Monday night game he played wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, but. But uh, but pretty good on Monday night. Uh, he's gonna play the Rams. Similar, a uh, familiar opponent for Tom Brady. The Rams, you know, saw him in the Super Bowl. Uh, did a pretty good job there, getting getting himself another ring. But uh, if you had to, if you had to, you know, pick a winner of this game, who would it be? Uh, you pretty much just took the words right out of my mouth. I actually also like the Buccaneers' chances to win this game. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, not a guy to usually take uh losses sitting down. Uh, he has been famously uh very good uh coming off of losses. Don't get me wrong; they beat the Panthers last week, but the Panthers it was a game that they just knew that they were going to win. I don't think anybody was nervous 
than when they were playing the Panthers. The Panthers are beat. They're beat up. They got a couple people out. Don't get me wrong. Uh, CMC uh, played really well against the Bucks, but it didn't matter. They, they were just the the Bucks. They just outmatched the Panthers. But this is the real big test coming off of that game against the Saints. Uh, what Tom? This is really going to show if you had any reservations about Tom Brady being in that Bucks uniform. This is really the game that he's going to have to make a statement because this Rams defense is the real deal. Uh, they're one of the best in the league. Uh, they've shown it all, all year round. They're basically the old Rams defense, you know, the one that pretty much brought them to the Super Bowl with a little bit of help from Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. Uh, Vegas does, in fact, like the Bucks in this game, uh, minus four for the Bucks. Uh, one thing I would watch is that Tom Brady, historically, has not been great against teams that can rush for and get pressure naturally. Uh, that's been something that has bothered Brady. That's uh, A lot of people say that's the only way that you can really beat Brady in a one-on-one game. And that's something that the Saints do well, which I'm not going to sit here and act like that's, that's the only reason why the Saints, why the Saints have beat have beaten the, the Bucks twice. But I think that kit really contributes to the Saints' success against the Bucks is that they can rush for and get pressure on Brady. So he has to make some of the more of those tight throws that he just can't quite get in there anymore with his age. But, um, yeah, I do like the Buccaneers' chances in this game, though. I think that the Rams, their offense, I just – can we talk about Jared Goff? I, I just – I can't. I can't with Jared Goff anymore. I'm not going to pretend – that Jared Goff is a good quarterback anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I think Jared Goff is horrible. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Ryan. And I think that Jared Goff is just a dollar store version of Matt Ryan. So that basically paints my opinion of Jared Goff is that Jared Goff is all finesse, no substance. And don't get me wrong. He he knows Sean, Mc, Sean McVay's offense. He understands it. But there comes a time where you just need to get out there and throw the football. And I don't think Jared Goff can do that effectively uh, at an NFL level. And uh, I don't know what your opinions about Jared Goff are. But in my opinion, uh, he was a waste of a second uh, the second overall pick. And basically, he's – basically, I believe if you, asked, if you would ask Rams fans, they'd probably say the same. Uh, what what's, what are your thoughts about Jared Goff so far? Do you think that the Rams should probably move on from him after this year? Or do you think that they need to stay with him still? Speaking of uh, draft, I agree with basically everything you just said there. But speaking of draft and analysis and all that stuff like that, the NBA draft 
is close approaching. Uh, David, didn't you say it was tonight? Sorry, I haven't been. It, in fact, is tonight. Uh, my Atlanta Hawks have a top three lottery pick, and a lot of analysts do, in fact, say that LaMelo Ball will be going to the Atlanta Hawks with the third overall pick. Um, this might be a hot take. A lot of people in the basketball world are in love with LaMelo Ball. They think he has all the attributes. Uh, he can shoot. Uh, he can score in the lane. He's got the size. He's got, he's got the handles. Um, but I'm here to tell you that if the Atlanta Hawks draft LaMelo Ball, that it's going to be a disaster. And I'll tell you why. LaMelo Ball in Atlanta will be a terrible idea. He does the one thing that the Ball brothers do not need is another person telling them how great they are. And one thing that Atlanta people love to do is like really gas up people from Atlanta. And one thing I don't need is offset telling LaMelo Ball how great he is already. Like they do with Trey Young. Like that's one thing I do not need. Like Trey Young, don't get me wrong, Trey Young his his game it translates everywhere. He's a moonball shooter. He's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. He's he's babyface Steph Curry. He literally he it's gonna translate. Lamelo Ball. I don't know how his game's gonna translate, and I don't need Offset and Quavo tell him how great he is before he even has put on the uniform. So I don't know if that's if that's a great pick for the Hawks. I don't think they need the problem is we don't need we don't need a guard that can shoot. I don't know what position they're going to put him at. Uh, most likely he'll probably play the two. Uh, he is six, seven. I don't believe, a, I don't believe they're going to put him at point guard six, seven. Um, but the problem is he's also his size. I don't know how that's going to translate to the NBA. He does apparently, according to sources, only weigh 190 pounds. That isn't exactly large for a six, seven man. Uh, don't get me wrong. He'll put on muscle before the season, but how much muscle can he realistically put on? before the December start date. Uh, that That's to be seen. Uh, what do you think about uh, some of these guys at the top? Do you th- who do you, who would you pick as the number one overall pick? Do you think it's going to be Anthony Edwards, James James Wiseman, or LaBella Ball? And who do you think that the Timberwolves should pick at the top? Uh, yeah, I think I think the best. I think overall, going forward, I think Wiseman's probably the most complete player in the draft. Just drafted him right out of college. Uh, don't get me wrong, Lamelo. He's basically been playing professional basketball for about a year and a half now, since he didn't go to college. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real question. Is uh, you know, you know, David. They do. They used to say that about all these guys coming from Europe, and they, they. I mean, all these guys from Europe. 
Yeah, I mean, Kristaps, they used to say that. I mean, don't nobody can forget what Stephen A. said, said about Kristaps when he first got to the Knicks. Uh, don't get me wrong. People used to say that about Europe, but, you know, these guys who go other places, they travel, uh, they play professionally, they've uh, they've worked out, and apparently people think that Lomelo is the best player in the draft. They think he's the most talented. They think that he's what Lonzo Ball should have been uh, coming out, and... Uh, you know, I, I'm inclined to believe the experts, but I just don't, I just don't want them to come to Atlanta. Uh, I don't want him to get ruined by the city of Atlanta. I think that he needs to go to a place that's got a culture established. I don't think the Hawks have a culture, to be honest. Uh, I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think any Atlanta sports team has a culture other than the Braves. Uh, and apparently the Braves culture is losing big games in the playoffs, but, um, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm. I'm 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 a rigid I'm a rigid you know broken Atlanta sports fans. <laughs> I, I just I just I just I, I got to get it out when I can. But uh, no 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 they're irrelevant. Georgia's irrelevant too. Uh, just to, just take a shot about all the all, all the Georgia fans that thought they were going to beat Alabama earlier this year. You guys are basically irrelevant as well. Um, yeah, but. Everybody else, all the other Atlanta teams, uh, the Braves. I love watching the Braves, but you know, just a little, just to hit on the Braves a little bit. Uh, they're choke artists, basically. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Uh, they apparently, apparently, you know, they the Atlanta teams just pass the choke around. You know, certain parts of the year, uh, they, the Falcons got it right now. They got a bad case of the chokes. People are worried about COVID, and I'm worried about the chokes because uh, that's what the Falcons get this time of year. Uh, but, uh, back to, back to the NBA is there's been a lot of trade rumors circling around the NBA. Um, I I just wanted to hit on a couple of them, a couple of, a lot of rumors. The newest one coming out is that believe it or not, Rondo, uh, wants to either go to the Clippers or he wants to stay with the Lakers, but to hit on the Hawks again is the Hawks are apparently prepared to offer him upwards of 20 million a year to come to Atlanta, which I would be fine with. I think the Hawks need a veteran presence like Rondo to rein in some of these young players. Uh, Rondo, don't get me wrong. I don't think Rondo wants to play in Atlanta. He's been pretty vocal about wanting to play in LA for the Clippers or the Lakers, but I think that would work out if he was to in fact come here. Uh, David, do you want to hit on some of the other, the other trade trade rumors and some of the things that have already happened.
Yeah, uh, the basically the biggest trade that's happened so far is the Chris Paul uh, deal that you touched on a little bit. Uh, I think that this makes the Suns a pretty lethal team that a lot of teams are going to have the unfortunate pleasure of playing. Uh, I thought the Suns were pretty good last year. Uh, they had a little – don't get me wrong. They, they started out very slow. Uh, they didn't quite get into a rhythm until late into the regular season. And then one – once they got into the bubble, and they just caught fire. I mean, everybody saw it. Uh, basically, the whole world was watching the Phoenix Suns just absolutely just tear apart the regular season portion of the bubble. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't quite make it. The Trailblazers ended up making it in the last spot. Uh, the Trailblazers, Damon Lillard, you know, you know what Damon Lillard's about. Uh, they end up, they end up, uh, you know, making a pretty decent statement against the Lakers. Uh, they, they stole two games in that series, but, oh, excuse me. One game. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Excuse me. Th- thank Thank you for the correction, Mr. Lakers fan. But, um, uh, yeah. But another thing I wanted to touch on was, uh, I think Chris Paul makes the Suns a much better basketball team. Uh, they really didn't have a guard that was basically just a facilitator, a guy that could score points if they needed him to, but a guy that's going to lock up the team's number one scoring option at the guard position, but can also pass and really just conduct offense and defense at the same time. Uh, another thing I wanted to, I wanted to hit on right now is uh, there's some, there's been some rumors that a lot of teams are, trying to move in the draft uh a lot of people are saying that the rockets might be trying to move some players to move up to number two and if that happens do you be okay basically harden wants out we know this do you think that the rockets would be willing to trade harden to one of these top teams in order to get their pick and basically just get any anything they can from this Harden trade deal. Yeah, there's really no point in keeping James Harden at this point. Uh, they offered him all that money. He turned it down. Uh, he has almost no desire to play there anymore. He's been pretty vocal in saying that. Yeah, ba- basically, bas- yeah, basically, it's the Kawhi situation from last year where the Raptors, uh, they wanted oh, – oh, excuse me, sorry. The Kawhi situation from a couple years back when he had no desire – to stay with the Spurs. The Spurs knew it. Kawhi knew it. Everybody else knew it. So Kawhi basically just got to pick where he wanted to go. And I think that's going to turn into the same situation here with James Harden. Is James Harden is basically just going to be pseudo free agency 
and James Harden is just going to pick where he wants to go. Um, James Harden is, in fact, a free agent, though, isn't he? Like, his deal is done. That's... Uh, I don't... I, I, did, I did see that they did uh, offer him an extension that he did, in fact, turn down. Um, I don't know if that was just a, they wanted to restructure his deal or if that his deal was already up. But we won't touch on that very much. But one thing, one thing we do know, we'll just we'll just talk about what we do know is that he wants out. Uh, the rumor is that he really wants to go to Brooklyn. Uh, whether or not Brooklyn has the capital or the cap space to trade or acquire him is going to be the real question. But do you think that a team with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant? would be the obvious choice to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. All right, well, I think that's a good place to end. Uh, that's a, <laughs> that's basically uh, a good ending point. Uh, this has been the Coaches Don't Play podcast. Coaches Don't Play sports podcast, excuse me. Uh, you can find us wherever you enjoy your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Pandora. You know where we're at. Uh, a YouTube channel is pending. We probably are going to set up a YouTube channel if you like to listen to your podcast on YouTube. Uh, we're going to need to set up some links. Probably going to set up some social media here soon. But for the time being, just be on standby and take it easy.